listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb hole. Gonna slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. We're back in the booth for the bomb hole, presented by Pub Beer and Liquid Death. Now, before we get into our guest, I just got to ask Stony Buds, how we doing? So good, my dog. Well, with the with the bucket going over, it still looks good. Yeah, the bucket looks good. We could cut it and tuck in the things and have a custom bucket. <laughs> yeah, we might have to do hat, the, the custom hat. custom bucket. <laughs> to my left, we have Todd Richards. Richards, what's going on? Hi, fellas. I can't believe I'm sitting here. This is pretty great. Yeah, how was your uh, how was your travels from uh, Encinitas to Utah? It was morning? mellow. I got up at uh, I had I have travel anxiety like a motherfucker these days. So knowing that I had to get on a six fifteen a.m. flight to get here, I was up at two, just like hi, I'm awake, and uh, yeah, and here I am. I don't travel anymore because of these things, dude. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, every time that I bo- like, it sounds like a great idea. Like the other day, like oh, I'll get this travel booked. And then it doesn't dawn on me until about 10 o'clock that night how shitty it's going to be. I, I highly recommend that nobody book a flight before 7 a.m. 7 a.m. might be a stretch, dude, unless you live next to the airport. Especially in California. Jeez. Another thing, too, is like if you're flying into Salt Lake Airport, they, they recently renovated it, and it's basically uh, like about a half marathon yeah, from the gate to it's the It's weird that my pickup. gate, you know, my plane came in, in in Ogden, and then I had to walk from Ogden. <laughs> Well, I've got a new rule. If, if if it's anywhere within eight hours of Salt Lake, I'll just I'll just drive because it's like it's a solid rule. You know that that uh, two hour walk from the gate to the baggage claim. I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah, I I hadn't been to this the airport since they redid it, and the la- I think the last time I was in Salt Lake was like just because last year was a clusterfuck, and so it was like the season before, and yeah, like that airport was still just rubble, and now it's this brand new airport, and I'm just like walking through, like okay. And then I, I kept hearing from everyone how far it was. To, like, if you're ever late, like, you're just screwed. But it just went on forever. Like, just no you amount get, of like, moving sidewalk is going to get me there fast enough. It used to be the fastest airport around, too. Right. They should have, like, uh, maybe, like, water stations and people cheering you Seriously. on. Seriously. <laughs> like a fan, like fans? Holding out cups. Yeah, holding Shit. out cups. Dude, it's, it's kind of fucked. Like, think of it, like, think if you rolled your ankle and you're like, oh, I just want to get to my car. You're like. I have to walk across an entire city to get there. <laughs> Sucks. So everyone uh, seems to park at the farthest gate possible too. Right. Like no matter who, what flight you're on or what's going so on. So is it like, okay, so like I flew in on Delta. So is the Delta, the Delta terminal is, is all sweet. So is the United terminal just like. That's even farther. Really? Is what I heard. Is it yeah. new or is it just I, like, oh, like a lean to? I think it's new too, oh, but okay. not quite as nice. It's a, I actually, no, I think it's a lean to. It I'm is pretty sure to. it's an just, actual lean just, just clear tarps just blowing in the wind. We don't do Delta. We went, no, you yeah. know, or we don't do United. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're Delta dogs. We're Delta dogs. So I think we're, we're about to embark, we're embarking currently on a, a banter marathon, a, a banter excursion. Yeah, if, if you, you guys are leaving Worcester right now, this will be over by the time you pull into Salt Lake. So it's, it's cool. So uh, I noticed that I was looking over at my memory card here. We have 30 hours of recording time. Sick. So if we can fill that card, right? Um, um, that's what we're hoping for on this. I got my uh, my diaper on. You and got my, a diaper? My bag, tap tape to the leg. Got the Dude, urinary bag. Urinary bag. Go. I got oh, everything. Yeah. I'm prepared. Yeah. yeah. It's like the astronauts. You just go in the suit, you know? 
So, you know, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Richards, which I'm sure most of you are familiar, uh, he dominated the halfpipe scene for many years. He's got X Games medals, U.S. Open titles. He's an Olympian. He announced the Olympics. He wrote a book. He's a video game character in Amped 2. He's got video parts. He's been a commentator on the NBC. He started brands, starred in the Hollywood movie Out Cold, made your own movie. The list goes on. Oh, wait. That reminds me. I have a gift for you guys. Okay. Yeah, oh, how wow. many How many people bring you guys gifts? Only the best guests. It's I only, only feel been like, like one or two. I know. Red brought us a Red book. Red brought us a sister. gift. Yeah. We got some wine. Yeah, from Willie, I brought three you. Or four. Oh my God! Is that a <laughs> wow. hot dog? Is that what they're called? No, this was a. Uh, I don't what know what this? this was called. They were like, you used to be able to find them. Oh my figures. God! <laughs> yes, this is, this is from when snowboarders got paid. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Richard's action figure. The more that's the Olympic yeah. version. Of the I think more, that was like the two, more, I think that was right? two thousand, maybe two thousand. Wow! It's, yeah, dude. There we go. So good. <laughs> Look at this, Steve. It's like pretty Can good. Can we talk about what kind of cheddar biscuits you got from a scenario it's, like this? It was, this was when the biscuits was just like, it was just, there was a lot of biscuits were, at one they point. They were flowing like the salmon of the Capistrano. They were, right? Yeah, there was, a, there was a time. There you go. Yeah, look at them. Look, I'm just like toe edging my ass off right there. <laughs> Great style too. Both legs locked out on the toe edge. I don't even know if that's, it's rarely seen on the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. I figure I just, great, add, I just add great to this. gift. Hey, welcome. So, you know, just one thing I think would be cool just to jump into. We're mm-hmm. not, we don't go in order of, we don't need to do your life story in order or anything like that. But one thing I find fascinating, you're 52 years old. 51, dude. Come on. 51. <laughs> dude, okay. all the, you got to pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to give myself. Every <laughs> year. Every year counts. Boom. So, yeah. my that's my, I'll tell you what, Todd. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, we're in this revolving door of kids that are are 15 years old that are the next prodigy and you were a child prodigy yourself and then you wake up one day and all of a sudden like but you're you're like a an old an old fucking man yeah yeah, but how do you maintain you still do what i'm getting at is that you still do as much shit as you did when you were in your 20s you surf every day it's like you have some Secret to the fountain of youth, and that's what I'm trying to get at. How do you get the fountain of youth? Well, I didn't start skateboarding until I was... I didn't even discover it until I was a sophomore in high school. So I was 15. Okay. So I didn't re- like I didn't start snowboarding until I was at least 16, because yeah. it just didn't really exist. I guess, like, mentally... Like, I heard this the other day, and I thought it was a really interesting quote, is, like, I f- I'm a 52-year-old, 18-year-old. Because mm-hmm. my, like... Mentally, I don't, I'm not any different. I mean, I may have like more responsibility things. I'm sure like my wife would be like, yeah, he's, he's really fucking annoying. He's a, he's stunted (laughs) adolescence. But you know, as far as that goes, it's, I think mentally, if you can stay and desire it and constantly keep moving, I mean, like I, I skate one day now, I need two days off. I snowboarding, like one flat landing could just sideline me for a week. Surfing's pretty easy. Like surfing, surfing's kind of easier on my body, but it's it's a good. I don't know. It's it, it just all these things are like good for my mental, which I think is kind of overrides the aches and pains of not mm-hmm. you know not being able to do things anymore. But yeah, I just still love it. Like I still, even though I don't like skate vert all the time anymore, I'll watch a clip and I can still feel it. Like I can still feel the tricks in my limbs. And I think if that goes away, then I'm on the slide to like, mm-hmm. like just not. 
being in that state of mind anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess from what I'm hearing, the key to not like decline as you get older in your skill sets is to just keep doing it. I is think it, so. Is that what it is? I think in some, I mean, you're not going to do it as well as you did it when you were peaking, but you need to stay moving. You know, you need to, you need to keep stimulating that part of your brain that like that desired it because like all the, all these things are kind of like they're, um, endorphin hits, you know, yep. they, they hit the dopamine uh, pocket in your head and they, there's a reason. I mean, the, it's just that feel good feeling. And if you're ch- constantly chasing that, like a drug, like at least it's this and not, you know, Mr. Brownstone, you know what I mean? It's a good reference. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Brownstone's a song by Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Heroin it. reference. Yes. Right there. Yeah, you know, I'm like from the streets. I know all about those references. <laughs> so you don't look much different either. Thanks. You know, I, I, and it's because um, I ate a lot of artificial preservatives as a kid. So I'm. Oh, just, that's a key. I'm, ar- key. I'm artificially preserved now. Yep. Yeah. I like it. Well, a lot of people are going uh, gluten free. Like Buzz, and I, we're going, we're on an exclusive di- gluten gluten only. Well, gluten you, only diet. Buttons <laughs> for gluten. Can you imagine rolling into any home in New England? In 1986, and being like, "Yeah, does this have gluten in it?" <laughs> like, like, what? Like a vegetarian? Yeah, you know. No, I mean, Not we're talking it. about a time when it was like, "Oh, I'd like a non-smoking table, please," and they'd just be like, "Take the ashtray off your table." <laughs> That's like, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I, eh, whatever. Well, let's talk about growing up. Uh, Massachusetts roots. <clears throat> You're from the Commonwealth. I let's am from the Commonwealth. Go. Straight. I mean, I didn't grow up very far from you where you grew up. I grew up in uh, Paxton, Massachusetts, which was a, a uh, you're going to give that uh, your little horn, Paxton, Mass. Um, it was uh, part of the school union 64, which was Holden, Paxton, Princeton, Rutland, Rutland and Sterling. And I went to Wachusett Regional High School. Respect. Which, which was uh, close to Mount Wachusett, which is, you know, a lot of East Coast kids know that mountain. Um yeah, just grew up like this little country bump. We were from like the country. Like Paxton was like a yes. country town, and Worcester Woods. Worcester was was like like big city to us. So, can you paint the picture of what an average uh, patron of Wachusett Mountain might be wearing on a given day? Oh shit! What era are we talk? Actually, there is no era at Wachusett. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's all one big all blur one of the same kit. That's right. We could have some uh, acid wash uh, Jordash jeans. Yep. Um, it's a common. Are we walking from the parking lot? Are we talking from the parking lot into? Okay, so yeah. <laughs> first of all, you have to park three or four miles away from the resort at this point. <laughs> Homeboy's got he's he's got his ski boots on the wrong feet. Yep, these ski boots are they were brand new in '87 and they're open and they're just wickets are flying and he is he's walking in the dirt from three miles away. He's got uh, a sweatshirt on. It's probably a Bru- or a Bruins tee. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, he's got sunglasses on, even though it could be snowing sideways. Yes. He's got sunglasses on, maybe a bandana. Um, he's about six cores lights deep before he even gets his boots on. You know, it's just that place is a, is a time machine. I, I went, I rode Wachusett um, this, past, this past season with um, Eric Cavall. Big shout out for the man nice. child. And uh, it hasn't changed at all. I mean, you've got, you can see gear from the 70s there. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot so, of jeans. So then back back in the day, how, you know, snowboarding, skateboarding wasn't quite as popular as it is now. Can you give us the cliff notes of what that was kind of looking like? I, well, 
me growing up in New England, I was uh, I was about four foot eight, you know, until my senior year of high school. I was weird. I was really pale. I looked like ET when ET's in the ditch. You know, I didn't. It wasn't it wasn't like a good look for me. Um, I actually looked like Elliot from ET, like a dead ringer. Like people thought that I was at when that movie came out. They're like, "Is that the kid?" It was really. <laughs> kind of weird anyway so just picture a really pale version of a kid um who discovered punk rock and skateboarding at a time where it was like you were either into the dead or you were into van halen or motley Crue, or you were a jock there was there was no deviating from those three things in high school so i'm like this dwarf of a human weird and uh yeah i was beat up a lot I was put in lockers. I was spit on. I was just whatever. People were like, it was harsh back then. There was no like safe spot mm-hmm. for kids. There was no safe. I wasn't safe at home. <laughs> yeah, you were really stuffed in lockers. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah. in Massachusetts, you see Richards. Fucking Richards. It was like fucking <laughs> Richards. Let's put him in a locker. <laughs> oh Back my god. <laughs> I had this is this. I've told this story seven hundred times, but for the people that haven't heard it, so I was. Uh, it was my. Freshman year in high school, and I I started hanging out with these kids that were kind of like, they were the same age as me, but they were fast. They were fast moving kids, and they were like kind of punk rock kids. And uh, I just wanted to fit in. Like I didn't fit in with any of those other groups, and I was just like, oh, I found my dipshits to hang out with. And for some reason, this these two kids from Rutland, which is like a very was like I am not sure now, but very rural farm community. A lot of uh, agriculture kids came from there. They weren't the nicest. Um, kid was just talking shit in my history class or something like that. Like from like day one, it got worse when I started to dress in in or you know style my hair in strange ways. Kid just you know it went on and on and on. And fi- we had this in in my high school. The, the bottom level of the high school was called the dungeon, and that's where the freshmen would hang out. Like that's where all of our lockers were. And this one day, this kid, like, I was just over it. And he said something to me, and I was just like, fuck you. And and all of a sudden, I'm squared up. And then it's this is the time when, like, fight, fight, fight. And then all of a sudden, there's 700 kids around you, and a lot of pushing, a lot of back and forth. And then I just swung, and I fucking connected to the kid. And all of a sudden, like, a teacher came out of one of the classrooms that this was all, and the bell rang all simultaneously and broke it up. So later that day, I was uh, I, like, I think gym was right after lunch. No, lunch was right after gym. And so I'm in the gym locker room and, and there was like five gym classes happening at once and they all end at the same time and you all end up in the gym locker room. And so those two kids are in like an opposing gym class and a bunch of their other friends, like I got pretty like roughed up in the locker room. Because it was everyone was going to lunch after that, so there was no other classes coming in for at least forty-five minutes. I got roughed up, like probably like ultimate wedgied, and stuffed into a gym locker and locked. And these are combo locks. You didn't bring your own lock; they were just combo locks. Stuffed into a locker. I was in there, you know. Then they just left. I'm like, "Come on, guys! It's not funny. It's not funny." And then all of a sudden, there's just no noise. It's just quiet in the locker room, and I'm like, "Holy shit! I'm locked in the locker." So I start kicking the bottom of the locker the locker is like what like kind of like this right here but maybe just one of those and and they're kind of flimsy 
So I just start kicking the bottom of the thing, kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. And I kick the corner out, like, and, and it's bending and bending. I finally can get my leg under there and I start like bending it. And I finally slide, kind of slide out. And then the nurse whose office was right next to the gym heard all the commotion because it wasn't, I wasn't being subtle. I was like screaming and fucking kicking. And so I'm like halfway out and the nurse comes in and she's like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Like, whatever, like what's wrong? So I get in trouble for vandalizing school property. What? I get suspended for vandalizing school property. Okay. Like I stuffed in a locker suspended um i had to go like and i don't remember exactly what happened but we all ended up in the principal's office myself and the one main kid who did it and i walk into the principal's office and the principal looks at him and looks at me and points to me and goes i don't know you but i know you get out of here so just boots me out like i just got away scot-free but i looked over my shoulder for like literally the rest of my high school years yeah but that's like just once <laughs> one snippet that was just my high school that's the type of stuff though that could be a great recipe for some angst right there you, know, uh, some, you think yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's like that actually could be the best thing that ever happened to you honestly it's just a fucking drywall mowing machine <laughs> when you get home <laughs> <laughs> God, angst is a great uh, creator. It's a just, great motivator. It's a dude. great motivator. Like fuck you, yeah, man. Fuck you. And it was, you know, it just kind of went like you growing up back east. You, you kind of that was just, it was ribbing. You were always ribbed, and no one, I kind of no one wanted you to ever like make anything of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a big thing back there either. So it did like once I kind of like found myself in skating and stuff, and like this is pre pre snowboarding, and started to get good at skating. The kids I would skate with, I would then be the, you know, they would pick on me because I was starting to get better than they were at skating. It's such a weird hierarchy of like, I don't know if it's still like that. Totally. I think probably, it's probably a, still anybody like that, that can relate to, I think anybody that comes from a smaller town, I'd say, can probably relate to like, if you are trying to move on to different things, bigger things, I don't want to say bigger and better, but if you have aspirations that maybe leave, leave you out of that town, there's going to be people in there yeah what do you fucking think you're a hot shit you think you're better than us yeah (laughs) you think you're fucking better than me those those big towns though there's more kids to beat you up too so it's like either way you're you can't win either way i don't know it's just one of those things that like if if it didn't happen the way it did i wouldn't be sitting right here you know i embrace it i think it's hilarious to talk about now Mm -hmm. you know running from worcester wasn't like wasn't as seedy as it is now because i've been back to worcester and worcester's like whoa like, I don't know if I'm just all SoCal soft and I'm not used to seeing ur- a combination urban environments, but like, I just remember being it's pretty like, urban there being straight up chased by gangs of urban kids. Like me and <laughs> my friend, kids. just, I'm not even going to go where that, I mean, there's many different ways you can, you can look at that, but just gangsters before gangsters and like just running from the, like we're waiting to catch the bus. Cause I, we would always take the bus from Paxton into Worcester center to either go skating or just go movies and play video games and, just being chased like just running for your life through this mall that used to be in the center of worcester like we're gonna die (laughs) pockets just full of quarters because that's you just saving quarters all week to go over the arcade yeah so then Mm. let's let's jump back to the snowboard career trajectory here so then you start you got sponsored by sims at a young age yeah i went uh, i i went to school in new hampshire and snowboarding at the before that point was just like a social thing it was just like you know, I, I was a skater, snowboarding, let's do this in the winter, my friends are doing it. Um, it didn't really dawn on me that 
that snowboarding was even really that fun until I kind of m- I moved up to the lakes region. Um, Dude, I got Gunstock. Interrupt you real quick because mm-hmm. I I was watching a documentary last night, do my research, and you quote unquote said that you hated snowboarding. Oh, I fucking hated it. Yeah, and the reason was is because the equipment was just terrible. You know, I didn't I didn't uh, have like good snow gear, so I was always wet. Um, my boots that I used, I think were my dad's boots. My dad was probably two full sizes of boot. So I was just like floppy. Sorrells or something. Sorrells. Swimming in them. Yeah. I don't even think they were Sorrells. I think they were like duck boots, you know? And then the snowboard was horrible. It was like a Burton backhill with no edges and just water ski bindings. Just horrible. Like it's no wonder that snowboards weren't allowed on the hill because fucking hazardous. They weren't ready yet. No. <laughs> and this is back in like the 1800s. Yeah. This is like, you know, we had to, like, it was a wagon. We rode a wagon. <laughs> to <laughs> the, the golf medieval, course. It was yeah. like a medieval times <laughs> yeah. with the wagons and this is cannons. The, this is stuff like that. This is when the Donner Party was just like, the invitations <laughs> just went out. You know, it wasn't even a party yet. <clears throat> like electricity wasn't quite invented no, yet. No, not so, yet. Yeah. Not yet. Um, okay. I'm gonna, I got a sidebar that's going to derail you for a second but I, I love when you make fun of people on rails and uh <laughs> you've, you've likened rail snowboarding to somebody being like a statue yeah because a lot of it is i, <laughs> I feel like and look it's gnarly but i'm gonna give it shit because this, this is who i am as a person i love this there's a lot of park riding that's like oh fucking rails like jump up put a put ornament come off like that's like you know what i mean like if you can if you can but there's skill involved in that like there's like because basically the formula for being really good at rail riding is come in fucking hot launch through the air and stay in one position <laughs> stay flat based and way, really. slide and then come off you know that's like really the root of rail riding is that it's how still you can, can you stay. argue with that it's no. not and the more board I'm a statue. Like that's a good style. Like, and the more of a statue you are, the better your the style. Totally. Yeah. Are you sta- are you really statuesque? Yeah. I don't wow. Know. But it's and, and I think I I fucking suck at rails. The only reason I ever did rails was because I had to to do well in slope style. I didn't enjoy it. I was like, okay, here we go. You know. But yeah. Well, while we're making fun of stuff, <laughs> let's keep making fun of stuff because I got to like, What's your take? Uh, I love roasting carving personally. Uh, you got you got a take on on the explosion of carving. Yeah, yeah, uh, carving. I need to get over there. <laughs> Ooh, I did it deeper. I don't know. Well, well I, I'll break it down though. Like carving is, I think it's fun as hell. I I really like the feeling of railing a snowboard around the hill. Like I think that's it's very enjoyable to me like good snow i'm not going like i feel like i can do it just as well on a board that doesn't have toe or heel drag i don't need a special board to do it you know what i mean in your youth did you ever try out one of those boards when it was peter bauer nerva series just that thing is an uncontrollable ginsu knife yeah with just (laughs) it's almost like it's responsive really (laughs) you're just like in a different zip code and it's just, they're hazardous. There's just so much blade on there. Like, fuck that. I was always the dude that was like taking my entire edge off my board. They're like, mm-hmm. I remember like it used to be, you know, six inches of nose, six inches of tail detuned. I was just like, good looking board, <laughs> lunch you know? tray. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But carving is carving. It's like carving is the, is the basis to all of it. 
but I don't, I mean, it just kind of sounds like, yeah, I'm, I'm a carver. Well, do you teach gym? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like, it's, it's just one of those things where I just think carving is, is the, it's the backbone to everything, but it's also like, eh. I got to, I got to take for it. This is what it's like. It's like, uh, I, I love carving, but I also, I'll give you another example. I like riding my mountain bike. Mm-hmm. I, I go down the hill. I carve through the woods. I go through these berms. It's boring as fuck though. I'm not like the th- the difference is like, I love doing it. I'm not going to make somebody sit through the agony of watching me fucking go down the hill on my mountain bike and turn to the woods. Cause it's boring as fuck. Unless it's boring as fuck. I'll tell you what's fucking great about carving. And I don't know if this dude still exists, but the cow father, the guy that would, Oh like, my God. Hunter mountain. Give that guy an air horn. I will I, Stan turn me on to that dude. Yeah. He's a, he has a living legend. I don't give a shit about the carving. Yeah. I just want to hear you talk about it. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, yeah. it's like, how do you, I, I guess, is it kind of like the vegan joke? Like, how do you know, like, what do they tell you first? Like if you're, uh, if they're a carver or about their new Arcteryx outfit, I, like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a joke in there. Someone, that, someone can weave that together. I was uh, on the chairlift with big mountain, Jeremy Jones. And I was kind of, uh, that's a name drop, whatever. Yeah, EJJ. But, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was kind of making fun of carving and I had a good, I had a rant about it. I was like, I was like, here's the deal, dude. This, this is first. You get, you get your snowboard, mm. you learn how to fucking turn, okay? that That's the first thing you do. And then you learn how to catch fucking air, and then you should never look back. You right. know what I mean? Like, what's the... But, you know, that's my two cents. I, but you gotta, you have to remember that a lot of us came from... Especially Jeremy, you know, best snowboarder to come out of Cape Cod, fucking... Oh, what? God, let's give it an air horn. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Another Massachusetts native... <laughs> But, Commonwealth. But Jer, um, Jer was a uh, a racer. Like we all had to race. Like the New England Cup series was the was the contest series that we all came up in. Um, myself, Jeff Brushy, Chris Swires, like all these heads from back in the day, and we all had to race. You know, and that was just part of it. Like when I started riding for Sims, they're like, "Yeah, you're good at pipe, but we want you to do it all." So I'd be in like the start gate of like some because they had super G's back then for snowboarding, very dangerous with those boards especially and uh i mean maybe i don't know like it was just i just wasn't that dude they so you're racing gates it's racing gates but I'll, I'll tell you that the lines have blurred since then like you know you talk about carving and riding a 22 foot deep super pipe is carving like that is like but you're you get something out of it it's like before it was like point. i'm going carving but maybe i'm i want french fries or i, I want to make it to the lift like that's why i'm carving over there i never like was like i'm fucking carving you know so i guess like that would be the payoff to what you're saying is like what's the point it's like to fly up in the air better i think the payoff is the best riders have that fundamental locked to such a level that they're going bigger and they're more badass because of their carving ability like i do like i mean like i said i love the feeling there is that kid who's like i'm the i'm the carver on the team it you just, hear people say that. There's also kids who buy those gravity skateboards and dude, they fucking walk around <laughs> on it. Like it's, you ever see that dude? He's like, he's on a longboard and he's kind of like dancing around on it. Oh yeah. I've gone down that wormhole. Yeah. Before. It's, yeah. I mean, it obviously takes effort and talent to do that. Is it dumb? Maybe to some old crust that doesn't, you know, like, I don't know. I think it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Everyone's entertaining. This is Dancing a, around on there. Yeah, everyone lives in a rubber room these days. There are no wrong answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of uh, kind of that, I like that where you're going with that super pipe. Mm. Uh, because 
Paint us a picture of what the early days of the half pipes were for people that are unfamiliar, because a lot of kids grew up just with the super pipe. Yeah. Um, so when we grew up, you know, in New England, picture two opposing letter L's. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that's what we would roll up to. You know, we got real good at wall rides. Um, early, early half pipes were really just two opposing piles of snow, and it depended on, um, you know, usually at the top, like whoever was the most motivated um, and had the most energy, it, depending if they started from the bottom or the top, usually you would start from the top and work your way down. So the top hits were really good. By the time they got to the bottom, everyone was just out of energy and mojo to make this thing look good. And it just like went, <laughs> so you'd have a couple of hits up top, but you could never get enough speed to get them. Like the first 50 feet of the pipe that's, you can't even get speed to ride anyways, probably money, <laughs> right? Where, right. The action zone of the half pipe, like midway to the bottom, just, just dirt road. Not good. <laughs> so true. It, and it was like, it was just what we knew though. You know, I can remember the first time we, we ever experienced, um, riding a pipe that was, was cut with the digger, um, the front loader at Stratton by that guy, Lyle. It was such a like mind blowing change from what we had ridden. That's when it changed for me. I was like, well, fucking half pipe is sick. You know? What year was that? 89 maybe at this point there's not really like a whole lot of rules as far as where to grab and things like that yeah well they're kind of well there wasn't really it was like where wherever it hits it sits on your board um i think that kind of stuff kind of changed for me right around there was that that video came out the fall line films first movie the western front was with the first time that i was introduced to um I would say like skatey, like real skate style snowboarding. Prior to that, there was a couple Burton movies that were like more just like promotional videos. And then there was like a Sims video that was kind of cool. Like cause Craig Kelly was still uh, undeniable Craig style. Terry Kidwell back then, they had really good style. Everyone else was just hot garbage. So when Roach showed up on the scene, like Tucker Franzen and, and these dudes, um, it was so, so different than what anything that we had seen it just changed everything everything how so well they didn't they weren't just slap grabbing first of all like roach's thing is it would look like he would run over his hands and to us because we were so used to just like wow wow like just uh, you know just everyone was doing like cross <laughs> rockets and like however can i get another hand to put on this thing like you know <laughs> But, but like third hand. Yeah, I need a third hand this thing. Just weird hand comes around. You don't know why there's another hand there. Or where it came from. Um but like Roach would grab like I remember in in his in that video part, and this is something that I rewound so many times, he does a front side air over this cat track and literally almost lands on his hand. And that was just so different. It was just so different. Like to follow through with grabs, to like go off grab poke bring it back hold or like methods where you you crank it and you bring it back and then you let go instead of just like wow <laughs> which is coming back unfortunately but <laughs> um you know it was just there was a lot of attention paid to the follow-through because that's what it was this is like before the dawn of tricks really i think i think roach was the first guy i ever saw uh it was either Roach or Rang would do half cabs or just, you know, switch 180s, front side 180s, and grab them. R Roach was the first guy I ever saw do a back Indy 360, grabbed. So 
there was just different stuff. And that was just so, so different than what we had at like when I was riding gunstock and I was like flying off moguls, just, you know, twisting the lower half of my body. So yeah, I love this. Uh, we're going to get into a guest question from Chad Otterstrom. Oh, love you. Uh, I think pretty sure Chad, o, he, I think he took his e-bike up to the hill, did a, a teener, 4,000 vertical, <laughs> came back down. What is wrong? He's then, like the annoying action guy. Like I, we're, <laughs> Where's Chad? I don't know. I just did a 14 and then <laughs> snowboarded down and rode my bike to Silverthorne. Like, where does he get the power? It's, it's the in sludge. that Colorado it's air, man. He is the best snowboarder on the planet. I'm, I yeah, will we, say that the, the, the over, over 40. Just, oh, let's get into that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Or who, no, the, the real, the, the question is who is at what, like, who's going to be the oldest person to, to set the record for the McTwist? Uh, well, How, what age do you think you're going to be able to make twist still? It's still pretty easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like I don't know. It's only like 100? Yeah. 100 years old. <laughs> I did a 720. At, like my goal for, I told Fox this a couple of years ago, like my goal is to do a 720 at 50. And it was, didn't, you know, didn't seem like much. And it's, it's, but still like, I don't think I'd really ridden park jumps until, you know, last year. And it wasn't like a big deal. I made it a big deal in my head, but it's not a big deal. Your muscle, your body knows how to do shit. As mm -hmm. long as you get a jump that you're comfortable with, you can still do everything, I think. But yeah, Otterstrom's the fucking shit, dude. You tell me. We have a Patreon question that names <clears throat> names with that question he just asked you. It's from Sean Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and he says, All right, hit me. Todd, who's going to be the oldest to still be able to do McTwist? You, Otterstrom, or Terje? Well, considering the. Jeez, I don't know. I guess. Depends on who keeps doing it, keeps desiring it. Keeps it, moving. Seems huh? like everybody's still going. If still there's going. like a thing where you guys want to fucking, are you going to do it? Who's going to be the dude? I'll fucking be the dude. You'll be the dude. When's so the like, last time you threw one? Uh, a month ago. This well, year. Where? When was the Holy Bully? About a month ago. About a month ago, yeah. yeah a little longer, maybe, but yeah. you threw one, no problem. I th well, let's not get into the no let's problem. Let's not say no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, I... There's a certain half, we can get into this too. There's a certain half pipe size that I desire. Yeah. What's uh, that size? About 15 or, mm. you know. That cutter doesn't exist though. Uh, it, no, I think it does. <laughs> doesn't, so it does. Doesn't, it's like um, the old veil pipe. The 18 that's right? melted out. It, even the 18, like I'm like the, I guess if 18 footer that's smooth is a different story. The 18 footer they had at Hood Meadows or at, uh, at Timberline was like, you were like mock louing into the backside wall, which was Kind, there was kind of transition in some spots so it was i hail married it i forget i think it was sweet and was like do a mctwist and i'm just like okay rah! and I, I just chucked it off the wall the first one i did i went in about eight feet landed Ooh. in the parking lot but luckily there's 18 foot of tranny so i caught like the last five feet of tranny but it's not good just there's a lot of time to think in those bigger pipes did you grab did you grab yeah I can't do them without Indy? grabbing. I think you have to grab them. Mute. Mute. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, so let's get back to our guest question from Chad O. All right. Um, okay, here we go. Hello, Chad Otters from here. I have a guest question for you, Todd. What do you think of the death of the vert ramp in snowboarding? Basically, you have to go to Mammoth, you know, Summit County. I think there's one, a 22-footer in Aspen and maybe Park City. But it's really hard to find a half pipe unless you're a – you know, an energy drink athlete that gets to go to all these private camps and train. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time finding a, a clean half pipe. And it being such a big Olympic event, it's really hard to find one. 
just kind of want to know your thoughts because this was such a huge part of your career growing up and you know your whole life and now you're an Olympic announcer for Halfpipe and things like that. Um, and as well, there was rumor that you wore yellow pants back in the day during contests so the judges would notice you more. Um, is this true? Did you wear yellow pants so you get noticed or did you just like yellow pants? Two-part question. It's a great two-parter, Jeff. Dang. I just used to piss myself. I didn't want anyone to see. Did now, everybody <clears throat> wear yellow pants back in the day? I wore yellow pants because, um, yeah, there's something to that. There's definitely something to that. And it was, you know, I've this is when I was riding for Special Blend. And originally, the yellow pair of pants I got, uh, this is when Steve Ruff was my team manager. I think it was the only pair of pants in my size. But, damn, they look good with a blue jacket. And they did. You I mean, I had like two video or one video part with that and like did really well that year in contests. So like there's a lot of photos of me from that year. And I think this is like 2000 or 2001 wearing the yellow pants. Oh, yeah, I guess. Burton like had those yellow pants in the <clears throat> 90s. I remember those, Craig dude. Kelly was killing it with them and totally. the whole team, really. Exactly. And like you noticed them. Yeah. If there's 50 dudes riding in a contest, you're going to remember the guy with the yellow pants. That's right. Especially if they're the best dudes there, too. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something to outfit choice. Like, back in black doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't work when everyone looks this, especially now. We can talk about that later. But Okay, so half-pipe questions. Um, it sucks because I I feel like the, tw- the, the whole 22-foot-deep super-pipe trend – because that's what the Olympic size is going to starve a massive portion of snowboarding out of being able to experience a half fight because the um, cost of entry is so high. Not only the money that needs to be spent to dedicate snowmaking and grooming to maintain it, because a 22 foot deep super pipe, you have to constantly maintain that thing or else it's dangerous. So yeah, it's, there's going to be, if, I don't think we're going to see a slide of, of different size pipe as far as competition because, you know, people are doing tricks that require a gigantic transition like that. There may only be two or three of them in the world, I think. I think it's sliding towards that. But I do think that we'll start to see a retro trend, just basically where snowboarding is going. is It's not, it's not gaps. It's not 60-foot tables. It's a lot more user-friendly, you know, to, to find the next Sean White, you're going to need to to have them be able to kind of figure it out. And, you know, and there's a lot of people like my age that are spending money at these ski resorts. They want to ride a half pipe. I want to ride, like, didn't didn't Bodie have one here at yeah, Park City? Yeah, used to have the Merrill Mini Pipe or something. <clears throat> that thing was fun as shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, Vale's, <clears throat> Vale's old pipe. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of, like, I, I think Vale Associates or VA and Vale and Breckenridge, they've all stepped away from half pipes. And a lot of it is because it's, it's so expensive to have one and they can dedicate that snowmaking to getting more skiers on the hill and other places. Like from a financial point of view, I can see what's up sucks for us being riders, but it's also because we pigeonholed ourselves into expecting the 22 foot deep super pipe that needs to be an entire trail long. So you can get four hits. I just think that it'd be really cool to see a resurgence. Like, um, the guys at Boreal in Woodward to Tahoe, they've got a really fun, um, like head, yeah, head high half pipe. And it's sick and it's, it's perfect. You can still get air, you know, a I lot would, of people I would love that. If that <clears> a research. lot of people don't want to get 
uh, chucked into double corks. You know? Well, and also, in order to even fall in love with the super pipe, you need to... You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. So yeah. the, the the average boarder that goes 10 days a year looks at the super pipe is like, dude, what the hell am I going to do in this? But you, if you learn on a 12-foot and work your way up, exactly. that's going to get more people into half pipe. But it, in, like you're saying, it's like the, the super pipe is essentially kind of killing itself. By, it is. In, in yeah. a way. I think so. It's like, you know, would you make a ski area that just had, this is a 60-foot jump. And here is our quad kink curve. Like, have fun. Yeah. Here's you know, a skate park. All we have is a neck high hubba. Right? Totally. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but, I mean, in, in saying that, too, it's like, it just, it sucks that the, you know, the quote-unquote vert ramp of snowboarding is dying. But vert ramps died in skating, too. But it came back in a different form. It came back in park skating. You know, the Tony Hawk's vert ramp is a 14-foot transition with two feet of vert. Um, I grew up skating nine and a half with a foot and a half or nine and a foot. So it's gotten bigger. The, like I said, the barrier to entries gotten higher, but then you see vans like Grosso's vert ramp that was at vans was an old school nine and a foot and people loved it. Like they loved it because you can get, you can feel like you're accomplishing something. Dude, I get into super pipe and I've talked about this before. Like I, I, you know, had a career based on, you know, riding the, the frozen swing set down the hill. I get in that fucking thing. I'm like, yeah. like just like, not even like, just like maybe get to the top. And I'm like, what? but both legs straight, like doesn't even, I'm using everything I have to get to the top of it. And I can't even get out. And then other times it just spits me out the top. And I'm just like, I hate base jumping. And you're just flying to the bottom of the half pipe. It's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe a sunny, soft um, super pipe would be great. But unfortunately, uh, sunny, soft super pipes, you can't ride them. They need to be rock hard. And you need to be riding a fucking race board. You know? Our old boards, remember when we were growing up, like back east especially, like I wanted the gummiest snowboard I could possibly get. And basically it was to fit in those fucked up wall ride jersey barrier transitions. Mm-hmm. Now they're so perfect and the, and the radius is so big. They can ride a, a, a 158 that's just like mega cambered and super stiff because you need it, mm-hmm. you know? And the dudes that are doing well in that, they don't even look at other parts of the mountain. For example... Scotty James and, and Sean White, we see them up at Woodward training all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're riding any other part of the mountain. They are just, they're in in that half pipe all day, every day. And it's like, that's what you have to do, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I listen, you know, listening to Scotty's episode that he had with you guys, which I thought was great because he really, he opens, you know, opens up a, a conversation about these guys aren't even riding boards that you can get. Like, it's so technical and you need to have a board that dampens the vibration through your feet. It needs to be grippy as hell and needs to have the right amount of pop. You can't get that in a general snowboard from freaking Solomon or ride or whoever the hell you can't get it. You need a special and you board. can, you can tell because you, in you can see the kids that are riding off the shelf boards in, in the super pipe. They're not doing what Scotty is doing or what, you know, what Sean is doing. And even like Ayumu and these kids, they're not riding. St- I don't think they're riding stock boards from Burton. Like they're definitely like, oh, don't touch the base on that board. That board's, you know, I got yelled at once by a racer for moving his board, for I, touching it. I touched the base, like, really mad at me. Your finger grease yep. is gonna like slow down. The- that's right, dude. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real thing. And and I was always like, 
dork. You know, but that's where it's at now in Superpipe. Like these guys, these boards are being tuned like the old race boards that we would make fun of the dudes that were. Sp- I mean, what happens? Follow me here. Okay, so speed is your friend in a Superpipe. How soon until they're wearing fucking speed suits in the Superpipe? Oh, wow. <laughs> It's a good take. It's, I'd like to see it. It's not. I mean, well, Sean's almost there, but um, <laughs> you know, it's I don't. It's not that weird. It's not that weird. You're. Oh, I found that this jacket kind of slows me down by flapping in the air. If I simply get rid of that jacket and I wear a lycra suit, mm-hmm. I call this my performance suit. It's not mm-hmm. a speed suit. It's it's my aerial performance suit. I could I could actually kind of get behind that. They sure would look funny grabbing oh, their, fuck. but imagine grabbing their, re- their they could grabs. just go with that though. They could be like pro wrestlers. That's kind of like where <laughs> oh, I want to. I would like to see snow, like just they come out and there's sparks and they come out and they, <laughs> uh, they get into the thing and they put it on. When Scotty's got like the, uh, he looks like a fucking koala screen print all over his <laughs> suit and Here's the thing, dude. That works. You, you watch like Supercross or whatever, and they come out and every they do like the opening ceremonies and yeah. people come out on their dirt bike and there's like. Flames that go in the air, and they yeah. like, guys wearing a cowboy hat, and like we need like a WWF like intro for the half pipe riders to get people more into. Fuck it. yes, like dude. there's like some type of elevator that rises up, and there's like you know flames and smoke, and then yeah, Scotty like maybe some there. dude comes out in a casket and it's all yeah. like the Undertaker, you know, like fuck, that'd be yeah. sick, dude. They need to up the showmanship on these events. I honestly that would get more eyes on it. It's, I'm sure. like. As I'm just formulating this in my head, I th- like you could literally do a contest like that, and <laughs> yes. it would be incredible. It would be hit. the best. Yeah. It would absolutely hit. Full pay-per-view, half-pipe, <laughs> mad beef, mm-hmm. like people just talking shit, breaking snowboards over people's net mm-hmm. backs in the start gate. Mm-hmm. Different music you know would be types. A, you know who would really shine in this event? Louis Vito. Oh, yes. Louis would be an absolute star. He could be like Master Blaster. Like He could come out on Abe Teeter's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> So he would be master and A would be blaster? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Sean's kind of got a bit of Undertaker vibes. I he see. does have Undertaker vibes. He's got a bit vibes. of under, yeah, Undertaker come out. Yeah. Uh, We should organize this. Yeah. Fuck yeah, like dude. The, the bomb hole cup? Be the, the bomb biggest hole cup. contest ever. Hell yeah. We'll have like uh, some type of, you know when like concerts, they come out of the, the scaffolding, or they come down like on a, a bungee cord or something like that. Get someone <laughs> to base jump in. Dude, you Why just, not? You send out this, this email like six months ahead of time. You need to start working on your image now. <laughs> and just like you, you, have to, be? you have to craft this full persona for this competition. And God, yeah, to even get in. Great, to even dude. get in the contest. Yeah. Like a marketing like, meeting. You have to right be approved. Now. Yeah. There's like a spitballing. Like, I don't know, dude. Louis, Louis just can't come in as like, uh, you know, Vito the Guido. Like, we have to like <laughs> figure out something <laughs> else here. Like, we, and you, you have like a marketing team that kind of helps you <laughs> along your way. Dude, this is fucking sick. Uh, going back to what you were saying uh, earlier uh, about like not touching people's bases, mm. uh, the Wax Tech for the U.S. team, uh, who's also Massachusetts champion, native. champion, Airhorn, um, he was telling us that basically, uh, like during the Olympics and stuff, there's like like ski racer guys, and there's like board doping. We call it like w- like. They got illegal ski ski wax. There's like other guys from different countries like dealing like illegal ski wax. The space cocaine. Do you remember yeah. that shit? Oh yeah, I think right. Sarah F. It's called. It's like it's literally looks like crack. Like if you're going through, like if you just had it in your bag, you would for sure like going to pound you in the ass prison. Like it just like it's like this little thing, and they put these little crystals. It's like on the board, and like basically just cut it up and put it on there, and it was like some crazy fluorocarbon thing but like yeah it's serious 
Mm-hmm. I remember I like, I would never tune my board. Like I, like I would wax even when you won the open. No, it was wow. just like just happened to be like ah yeah my board's just riding like maybe wax it a month before and things changed over time you know as pipes you had to go fast but I remember one time like Oakley kind of had someone that did um did demo like he was like the sub rep and they brought him to the open and they juiced my board up with some bullshit and i remember being squirted out of my first hit like i was just straight up in the air like it was kind of like one of those uh wet those like wet damp days a lot of humidity on the Mm -hmm. east coast like really sunny and slushy and Dude, I was just like, I'm along for the ride. Like, there's no, like, whoa, you're going across the <laughs> banana up. peel. Like, Total banana peel. Yeah. I had my my board waxed by Ryan at a Mammoth, yeah, the Ryan board tech, and just getting off the lift, I thought I was going to die. Dude, and he's, yeah. and they, Ryan's the shit, man. He's done my board up a couple times at like a, like a charity jam at like some, you know, some event. He was like, hey, this thing looks like a shit. Like, it's like embarrassing <laughs> for him to have boards near him that just like, yeah, he can't even handle What's wrong with your base? <laughs> You know, so yeah, shouts to him. Uh, you know what? I think it could be time for, but oh my god, not, not quite the name that video part oh. yet. It's uh, for this thing, right? This is here. one of my favorite favorite segments. Oh, right here. we got a new theme song. Here we go. Welcome to the liquid death, 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 spinning wheel of death. <laughs> So, uh, is the fucking shot collar on there? Did you take that? Uh, so the one thing we're hoping (laughs) it lands on, uh, is basically Star Wars trivia. But if you get it wrong, you get the shot collar at a low setting. Fuck. Uh, you can put it on your arm if you want. How do you feel about that? I'm going all in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) First, we do have to talk about liquid death real quick because I'm currently, uh, crushing some can. You're crushing some can. Everybody's crushing can. We're all crushing can. And, um, Mm. basically the thing that's cool. You know what? They're uh, you're not contributing to plastic, so I, it makes me drink more. I water. will also say, Liquid Death is it's brilliant because you can, you know, there's that whole thing where you, you kind of like want to look like a shit bag these days, mm-hmm. and you can crush one of these, and you look like you're hanging with the boys, but yes. you're just having a little Liquid Death. You're just yeah. getting hydrated. You can drive after. You're just no driving. Problem. Like I wonder how many people have been pulled over. Oh yeah, just crushing Liquid Deaths. And they have to prove to the cop that, oh, it's water, I swear. Mm-hmm. I'm begging to get pulled over. I'm, like, swerving and shit, trying to get pulled trying over. To, just so I can... Just got the can. Just kind of chugging at the stoplight. <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys can pick these up at your local 7-Eleven or go to Liquid Death slash Bombhole, you'll get a few... A few, a few Some koozies. Koozies, yeah. There's hella Star Wars on A lot here. of Star Wars Sniffing on salt, Basically, Star Wars. all I did was wanted to get, make sure you landed on Star Wars trivia. <laughs> <so> <laughs> We kind of doctored the all wheel right, here. All right, uh, we kind of rigged it. So Are we so, ready? Yeah, go ahead. Give it a hard spin. Oh, Don't give hard. it a light one. Like that's a good spin. Sniffing salts <laughs> to Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> so you got to start with the sniffing salts, right. and then uh, do our Star Wars trivia. Okay. So, truth be told, I've done sniffing salts before. My oh, yeah. dad played hockey. Yep. And we would have sniffing salts around. Well, not like around, but I remember he fucked with me once. And he's just like, here, get a whiff of this. I was like eight. When you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we do have, uh, we are in the works of uh, bomb hole sniffing salts. So really? The way it works here, you uh, you Pinch? crack it yep. and then it, it releases. Are you guys doing it? I'm the only one that's have, doing yeah, it. You're, you're I don't know if you watched the Zeb episode, yeah. but he, he like. You just want to do a light sniff. He he went, went no, hard no, I yeah. fucking, you don't want it up here. No, yeah, you don't want to do it like it's your last breath and you're giving it everything. 
Are you guys ready for this? Shit? Yeah, let it rip. What if you bop one of these in the airplane? Like, just I need to get jacked up before I get off the plane. Just you might run through You'd the probably you lose might, your rights to fly. You might run out and whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Grandma's chicken. Holy shit! <laughs> I might go back in for a second hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me get a little. Such a weird rice, smell. Dude. Huh? It's weird. It's like it's like oh, sniffing in, bleach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Invigorating. It's ammonia, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think when I was reading, it says it like kind of irritates your senses. <laughs> That's how it wakes him up or something like that. But it's safe. Yeah, it definitely lo- hypes you up. And no long terms on this? Uh, no long terms, no. Oh. Weird though. I feel, like my, by now. I feel like my brain is breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So you should do Opens great. Your you, should, you should do great in this uh, Star Wars trivia now. Fucking hit me. Blood's Okay, flowing. first question. What is Baby Yoda's real name? Grogu. Come on. Fucking Jesus. Amateur. Wow. He, uh, Amateur well, shit. if you're this confident, I think you should put the shock collar on if you get it wrong. What? On your arm. No? <laughs> what? On two. No. It's on two. It doesn't hurt. All right. It doesn't hurt. Yes. <laughs> I don't this think is, he's going to get him wrong. I don't right, right around my balls. It's on two. <laughs> it's got to go around your ball sack. Oh, my God. Is this actually? Don't fucking test I'm it. not going to shock it unless you get it wrong. Just keep it off, and if you get it wrong, we'll put it on. Oh actually, you know what? Fuck it. Oh, you know what I got on? Give uh, it a test. Quick test. I actually have I got a wrong answer button. I'm hoping, too, so I can hit it. Okay, question number two. Oh, he knows fuck. his stuff. Where did Obi-Wan take Luke after his birth? Where did Obi-Wan take Luke after his birth? Take Luke after his birth. Yes. Tatooine. That's the correct. same planet. Everyone Damn knows it. that. Okay, question three. How many of these fucking questions are there? Do it till I get shot. You get one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> ten questions. You're doing good. Two of ten. <laughs> question number three. Who is Palpatine's granddaughter? Ray. God, he's fucking good. Damn, dude. Question number four. Who is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan? Anakin Skywalker's Padawan? Ahsoka Tano. God damn it. He's fucking good. <laughs> Who is, what is Mando's real name from The Mandalorian? Din Djarin. Who had... Do you put this on if I get 10? I'll put it on if I right. get 10. <laughs> Who... I like that. That's a good That's negotiation. Fair. Who had the highest... Mita, midi chlorian count count in Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker. Damn it. That's right. Fuck. <laughs> dude, I feel like to get him, you'd have to go an abstract comic book like that no one's I ever know, seen. Dude. What year did the Star Wars first movie come out? Uh, 77. He's he even got the... Dude. This guy's like a... Wow. I was raised by fucking George Lucas, dude. My parents neglected right. me. I looked at George for... We're guys. not out of the woods yet. Oh. Where is Jabba the Hutt's palace located? Tatooine. What is the name of Boba Fett's first ship? Slave One. Jesus. Who are Kylo Ren's parents? Kylo Ren's? Ky- Kylo, yes. Han Solo and Princess Leia Organa. Looks like you're getting to shock me, brother. That's what? it. You got them all right. Oh, he gets to shock you. I yeah. don't feel like any of those were for any I'll good. Tell you, I would- Why don't you just put that on and I'll just we'll just go through the interview. And if there's any questions I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let You'll it never know when it's coming. You hit the How one do with it? the... Do you hit that... That button. Juicer up to 10. Hold on. Don't, let me put it on first. Okay. What happens if I do? Ready? I mean, sure. Yeah. I wish. I had it on. I had it on the highest setting. I put it on Bob's neck. What I fucking. That made me. I was crying laughing when he. Bob's was fucking shocked. When he was getting it. He just Dude, because you didn't even. He didn't even have a chance to get it on. 
Yeah. He just blew his freaking esophagus into 100 pieces. <laughs> he was, like, he's rubbing his neck. He was rubbing his neck for the rest of the interview. He's all red. Jesus Christ. I got a question. Go ahead. What is the name of the band in the first Star Wars movie? In the first one? The Cantina Band? Um, in the Cantina Band. Um, fuck. I know this. Uh, we're on a show here. We're not gonna. Uh, I know, we're gonna die of old age. Yeah, can, we, can we cut that one out? <laughs> I don't think he knows that one. He doesn't know it. I feel like it's fingering Dan or friggering fingering Dan, Dan? And, uh, or something like that. A weird band name. I don't know the name. I just figured you didn't know it either. Uh, well, the other one, Jabba's, we'll Jabba's Palace, is Size Noodles. That's the name of the band. Yes, Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Um. Unless it's just a cantina it's fi- band. It's Figrin' Dan's cantina band. Is that what it is? Wow. He's pretty good. So, yeah. Anyways, but look, Anyways. Look, look, kids. It takes a lot. I wouldn't recommend dedicating your life to uh, useless Star Wars trivia. It will not get you the ladies. Well, actually, maybe it will these days. Dude, it just got you. You just did great. Like, you just got to test it on air. Yeah. You know? I got to avoid being shocked. You got to avoid being shocked. So... All right. Oh my God, Friggerin Dan. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> it really is correct. <laughs> it sounds like a made-up name. I think it's like yeah. Friggerin Dan. Friggerin Dan. Look, dude, I'm telling you, if yeah. I could ever get a job somewhere, yeah, you probably had the CD single and I had all that shit. Okay, we're gonna pivot. <clears throat> pivot. Wow. Say to pivot here. So, uh, you basically dominated half pipe scene, won the U.S. Open, X Games medals. Um. I'm particularly curious about the Moro West Beach era. Yeah. Um, I heard we're going to talk biscuit talk. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> it's the wrong soundboard, but that still works. We're going to talk biscuit talk. Uh, and basically, what I was wondering is I heard there was some crazy incentives when you um, were qualifying for the Olympics and stuff like that. There was paint the picture here about what snowboarding was at that point. There was a lot of money in the industry. <clears throat> there was a lot of professional snowboarders, a lot of ching in the industry. There was, um, the hype for the Olympics was reaching a feverish pace. Uh, there was a lot of gray marketing going on where, where people would basically sell Japan snowboards from the U S and they would go and sell them. So there was this massive amounts of boards pro models, everything being thrown around the industry. And everyone thought the, and there was two companies that were public ride snowboards and Moro had just gone public and everyone was hedging their bets on the Olympics, taking it to yet a more insane level. <clears throat> so yeah, there was a lot of money going on. Um, I was going to right before the Olympics in 98, the fall of 97, I almost signed with airwalk head to toe because they were throwing around some crazy fucking numbers. And I went to Moro and was like, like, I don't want to leave, but I feel like I'd be really dumb if I didn't do this. And Moro, you know, they came through because they, they had a lot of money. Um, there was, yeah, we, there, it was a lot of, for then it was fucking crazy, you know? 
like a Louis Vito Dodge situation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, kinda, <laughs> I'll give it a Dodge. I, I got lost. I didn't remember what we were talking it's about. It, you just, you it's in, in a directions and then just kind of changes the subject. It's, it's Louis in, Vito Dodge. It's in my book. I got paid. I had a signed a million dollar contract over three years and got a uh, Porsche 911 2S. Porsche. As a signing bonus. Signing bonus. Damn. That's what we needed to hear. And that was like, it was, that was peak me. Mm-hmm. Peak me time. I like how you threw that last answer at us before that. Yeah. It's just, you just, it, it's all on a scale. Like if you look at like, there was like 50 Mark McMorris's at that point. Yeah. It wasn't just one dude sucking up the entire budget of the industry. There was like a lot of people getting paid. A lot of people that weren't very good getting paid a lot of money. Um, now, now I gotta verify because on Mikey LeBlanc's no, episode, for fuck's sake, he said something about there First was a check all, for two hundred sixty-five k sitting on the table. They went through my desk. They oh, didn't. They, that was not laying oh, wow, on the this table. Is a good verification. <laughs> that wasn't they, laying going through your drawers. <laughs> that was Tony Sabatella, who is a good friend of mine, a good friend of Johans from um, from C three. Tony was a, he's a shitster first of all. Okay, and, love those uh, guys. Shit I, lo- I, I love good I love Tony. I love him to death. I think they went through my desk, but that was for board royalties at that point, and it was like tw- like twelve bucks a board, and there was a lot of boards being sold. This is years. This is before. It's a lot less brands. I, I think. think there was like a couple brands that were dominating, and a couple brands that were like selling a shitload, and it was right when. Um, you know, if you had a board, you didn't just have one board. You had the 52, the 53, the 58, the 56, you know, whatever. Like you, you had, had a, a series a series of boards. So, yeah, there was, you know, there was some shit, but that's, you know, it's really but great of record, those guys to you, go you through my just, shit. You weren't just like, oh, here's my $265,000 check. I accidentally <laughs> no, left what, on the coffee I table. What kind of a fucking asshole do. would do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm a dick, but like, that's like, <laughs> number one. And like. They like. I think his story. I think he might have hit his head a few times. You know, we all know what LeBlanc does. <laughs> Jumps downstairs. Those big ollies to flat. Yeah, Definitely you can, shake your brain. You around. know, you get you hit your teeth together. You yeah. get a concussion. Um, I I think he said it was at some party. No, I think they were just like over my house, and Tony was just like, Did "You guys fucking see this <laughs> in my panty drawer." I don't know. It was a, there was a lot more money in snowboarding back then. I mean, it's like cheddar biscuits were fucking flying, and I wasn't the highest paid dude. There was people that were paid a lot more than me. My theory with the biscuits, though, is that the the let's just say the pie is the same size. Mm-hmm. There, there's now there's so many more people that the pie is cut up into smaller pieces as opposed to like oh, there's only fucking fifteen big time dudes. And there, and also we're talking about a time in snowboarding where hero worship. Was mm-hmm. that was oh, a yeah. huge, huge part of the sport? Explain that. Okay, so you have these icons like Sean Palmer. You know, th- this is where these legends of sport come from. Sean Palmer, Sean Farmer. You know, Farmer wasn't particularly technically good at snowboarding, but he would fucking fly off of something and he would definitely uh, light your bar on fire. And that was like part of. The image, like the image was being sold as much as the skill level. So there's, there's, and that would sell, that would sell boards, that would sell a lifestyle, that would sell that brand. Um, you know, I know all those guys from Ride got paid a fuck ton of money too, because they were all, you know, they were all in on that IPO for, for Ride when Ride went public. 
it, it was just a crazy time. Like heroes were built up through, you know, your contest placings were one thing. Like Terrier, when Terrier came up, he was, and he's he's still riding on that. He was put on a pedestal. Jeff Brushy, pedestal. They not only did they win, but they were gods. They were gods to me, and I was competing against these guys. The hype machine was real. Even when I was doing good, I didn't think I was good. I was still like Sean Palmer, Jeff Brushy, you know, these guys, Mike Ranquit, Roach, like they were all put on a pedestal. And it was all, a lot of it was, was image fluffing and just something that doesn't exist in snowboarding anymore because, because the average kid is better than we were at our peak year one end of year one these days and it's you know it's by virtue of what they have to to get better on and 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 what they're exposed to but you know it took us 15 years to get where these kids are now after one season it's crazy makes sense another another thing about hero worshiping that when you're as you're talking about that i feel like it uh attributes to the fact that the social media is everything's there. You can see it all. Whereas yeah. before you didn't really Mystique. get it. You didn't peel back what people were like. If I could get a day in the life with Jeremy Jones, it was like, I fucking would be glued to my TV. Totally. And so do you think that attributes to the hero? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, <clears throat> you shouldn't know everything about everyone because the mystique is gone. I mean, Damian Sanders was dating a fucking penthouse pet. Yeah, penthouse Are you pet. kidding me, dude? Like what? He's not real. I mean, for a kid like growing up in new England, especially because we weren't exposed to, like penthouse pets, penthouse pets, big time people. We had brushy, um, <clears throat> but to be pro at anything, like we, I grew up skating with uh, with a bunch of guys, and Fred Smith was our big pro. Skated for Alva was was really big pro back then. Big image. He was a god. He was a freaking god. You just, it was so different. Like Lance Mountain, Tony Hawk. I thought they were made up names, like wrestling. Like, I don't know anyone named Christian Hasoy. That's a made up name. It can't be real. <laughs> you know, so it was like these people were on such a different level. One video would come out a year. And, and it was as much about their lifestyle getting from spot to spot as it was about the, the moves they actually did. And I bought into that, man. It was like, it was crazy. Like, at this point, um, rank what's hanging out with Eddie Vedder, you know, like just, it was just such a rock star thing, you know, Steve Graham, uh, Dave Sione, they were rock stars. They were freaking rock stars. Brushy with his dreads, rock star. There's not, there's not as many rock stars anymore. And if you start to become a rock star, you're smacked down now. So no one's being the, the, the plant isn't allowed to grow and flower. It's like, nope, you're right back down here on our level with us because we're all in the shit. You get a little too big, you get slapped down. You know, Sean White, notwithstanding, just kind of, he's made some really kind of silly decisions as far as like the industry goes, like within the core industry and, and supporting his, but he's, he's the closest we have to that old era. That's a good point. McMorris isn't even, he's not even, McMorris is like, I consider him to be, the elite cream of the crop with rice, you know, but they're nowhere near the mystique and crazy level that like, you know, some of the dudes were back in the day. They weren't, they aren't doing stuff like Palmer did either, you know? Right. Like there, there's, there is at points where you'd be at the U S open and Palmer like knew he wasn't going to win. So he would just take his fucking shirt off shotgun a beer and take his back foot out of his binding and just do the biggest one foot on the first hit 
no one re- i don't remember who won that year yeah, all i know that. is yeah all i know is palmer had his foot out on hit number one and that's just that's what it was you know and it just the hard charging crazy like the liskas and like these legendary people in snowboarding that like i said technically weren't all that good but they were fucking nuts and they were all in the arnett ads and like you know it was just like light like cardboard cutouts life life-size cardboard cutouts in this in the shops it was just that time and i don't know if snowboarding will ever get back there again because truly there's so many kids clamoring for that top spot that there's not like you said it's the it's the pie um analogy where there there's just so many people with not not a lot of pie left over and then and going back to as you're talking about that too like i also wonder as humans I forget what you put it, fan fan worshiping uh, heroes or whatever. You know, I think it still exists in Japan in the culture. Their culture lends itself to like they sure. still kind of put people on a pedestal. But if you think about what social media does fundamentally, is it humanizes people? Yeah, it does. You're just like, yeah. oh, this guy's got a dog. I got a dog or whatever. I don't know how it all works, but you're just like, oh, he's like me. You know. But when when that doesn't exist, you you create this this larger than life thing where you're like this guy is not like me this person is bigger larger than life well do you remember you remember mtv cribs right yeah of course like a lot of like a lot of the generation that's probably watching doesn't remember that but it used to be this show where they would go into rap or pop stars or athletes homes and it was it was the proverbial looking in the sock drawer but this is at a time where we didn't have social media so you didn't know you didn't know what, and you'd be like, holy fuck. But now it's like everyone's on Instagram, like, bah, check out my dollar. Like, it's making it rain in my yeah, bathroom. Like, who fucking cares? Like, now it's like a dime a dozen of six little kids with Lamborghinis from YouTube. You know, like, whatevs. Who cares? You already showed me your balls in, in the video before this. What, <laughs> le- what left is there to see? You know, it's We've like, seen it all, I've huh? seen it all. So it's, it's, the mystique is gone. So maybe my advice to some of these, some of the athletes out there is to create a little more mystique about like think about who are some of the most sought after snowboarders right now the ones that that i consider to be the ones that have the most pull within the core jed anderson is one because of his misty his mystique he's misty he's totally misty you're like what's he doing mike rav misty as Mm -hmm. fuck i don't know what's going on that kid's head he's rolling around the snow he's Mm -hmm. fucking awesome you know he's from (laughs) worcester's Grandpa's Maurice, Maurice the Pants Man. Jesus Christ. Let's give a Maurice super, the super Pants Man. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what Maurice the Pants Man is to people from the non-New England area. I feel like this horse has been beat to fuck on this show, but I'll go ahead and I'll hit it again with a stick. So in Wor- We like to take the dead horse and just keep hitting it. Just yeah, beat that dead horse. He's almost there. Just dragging <laughs> just two bloody legs. Um... So Maurice the Pants Man in Worcester, Massachusetts, back in the day, there was one place you went to back to school shop and you could get Chuck Taylors for $5 and a pair of Levi's for about 15 bucks, maybe. Maybe that's 15 for three pairs. But Maurice the Pants Man had a commercial on the radio that would be, come on down to Maurice the Pants Man. Like every time you would turn on the radio, it would be on there. And it's Rav's uncle, grandfather? Grandpa. Grandpa. Fucking awesome. That's where he got his... uh, he learned the mystique of great marketing from, right. from great marketing. Himself. It's the Maurice. You know why? He rolls around the snow because he's rolling around the fucking sh- the pants. He's probably rolling around there when he was a kid. Been rolling around yeah. for years. Used to go in the back, I guess. Legend has it. And roll around <laughs> in all the Roll pants. around in all the Legend pants and shoes. Shot. Dungarees for everybody. Woo! Just rolling around. Anyway, so I, I, I do think that, that that whole, like JP Jeremy, um, 
they had Mystique. It might have been the last ones, huh? Maybe. I, it is still there. But the Mystique now is happening because, an unfor- and it's unfortunate that there is so much, um, I don't know if, if mental illness is the way to, to describe it, but there's a lot of people having struggles in life. And they're pulling back from social media. So as soon as you pull back from social media, oh, he's mysterious. You're like, no, I just want my life to be mine. I want to be in control. I don't want to look at a comment that derails me for two days from some dipshit in his underwear, picking his nose, you know, whatever. So maybe don't be on social media all the time. And, but I can say this still in blue in the face because I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm on there all the time. It's that like the the little dopamine hits, like you you know you guys talk about it. it really, it's true, you know, little heart clicks mm-hmm. makes you feel good. But yeah, I, I think that hero worship should come back a little bit, just because it would make snowboarding more fun. Our contest we were talking <clears throat> that's about. that's what I'm could, fucking talking could about. Could be dude. the angle to get it back. Also, just that coffin <laughs> right there. <laughs> I, yeah, people would be just sold. You could bring back flood. Oh yeah, flood could just be like, the, oh, he's back. We thought he was dead. Like fucking all these dudes. Like flood comes out in the coffin. Absolutely, yeah, totally raise him up. Well, another part of the half pipe contest that we've probably talked about. I can't remember what the hell we talk about on the show and don't. But if we have, I apologize. But I think the the hiking of everybody hiking the pipe next to each other. That's what's gone in super pipe. It's like run one, run two, yeah. run three. Like no poaching. It's like because I guess you can't even really fit on those decks because they litter them with banners nowadays yeah. and shit like that. But <clears throat> I think that like if you were to create a bigger event that was just structured a little bit differently with more of a jam format and you were to capture that and you had mm-hmm. coffins and you had Louis Guido jumping off people's shoulders. And, totally. Yeah. It'd be really, I mean, it's just, it, it's so much of that's lost. Like to hike a super pipe these days. I, I remember back in the day in Breckenridge when that, when pipe was life, I would hike that thing at 10,000 feet from nine in the morning till three or Vale or wherever yeah, we were day. hanging out. <clears throat> no thought in my mind that that would be like, a physical activity that would be beneficial to me. I was just doing it because I just, knew every one of your homies would be right. there too. You were just there. It was it was so good for you physically. It was good for you emotionally. Like Vale, when we started riding the Vale pipe all together, that was like it was so amazing. The, the vibes were so high all the, the time. It was like a yeah. it was like a barbecue with all your bros. Sometimes people were barbecuing. You know, it's it was awesome. That that uh throws back to the early high cascade era you know they didn't used to have a rope toe or yeah. i guess whatever it's called with the dongles that come off i don't know if that's a rope toe but it's palma kind of lift palma lift yeah, yeah they didn't they didn't used to have one of those so everybody would hike you yeah. know and and as you guys know more than i do but when i worked there when my early years for three years like there was no there was no rope toe so you would hike everything and the benefit of hiking is you get to the top of the jump and you're like I'm fucking doing this because I don't want to have to hike it again. You're like, you're not doing another warm up trip. Right. That's a good you're, point. You're like, I'm going to try this because I just fucking hiked it. Well, when you're, you're lapping on a rope tire, you're like, yeah, I'll just do another yeah. front three. Fuck those it. days. And in in, it's like the hot days on, on the hill. And you're like, you said, you, you haven't made it, made it yet. And you're hiking back up and your pants are heavy and your fucking boots are squishy. And you're just like, you're just pushing through. Maybe you had a sip of water at nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just, I remember I can like feel that through my body. Like so many years at hood were just like, maybe it's like your fucking ankles hurt from skating the night before you got some scab. You're probably getting staff, but you don't care. Just, let's go <laughs> like this. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. those days. And you get to see all your buds' tricks mm-hmm. go down yeah. while you're hiking. A lot of cheering. Nowadays, it's you put both your headphones in. You don't talk to anybody. Totally, it's very it, antisocial. When I was shooting at Mammoth couple last month, it felt weird to be on the deck. Like I almost felt like I shouldn't be there. Yeah, like coaches are looking at you. Oh, like, when you like, were oh, Mammoth, yeah, it felt yeah, like I was had, almost catching. They a had weird a Bud vibe. Keen uh, coaching session over there. Yeah, it was an interesting vibe. Yeah. I, I, coaches are. I don't know. It's. I think it's cool. And I had to get a wristband just to go over there. Yeah, I couldn't even go. Maybe to you were pipe. spying for the yeah. bomb hole team. <laughs> yeah, we do bomb hole uh, spy gate. Yeah. I don't know. I think the, the coach thing is so foreign to me because it was snowboarding was never a jockey thing when I was coming up. It was very much like kind of like skating is. Is like, is it a sport? Is it a you know? Is it an art form? What is it? It's flying through the air. It feels really good. I want to do that again. That's so. I'm, when the first time we were ever really experienced as coaches was right around 98 when the Olympics happened. And I remember the coach that they had, he didn't, didn't snowboard. And I was like, what are you going to tell me? You know, but there is that fine line between a guy like JJ Thomas, who is like, JJ is the shit. And he's, he's been in the start gate. He knows what the butterflies, the, I have to poop the whole day feeling is like, and it's to have someone like that, that's been in the start gate at the highest levels, I think is a great coach. To have someone that can be like, yeah, you're just going to dip your shoulder more. Like, why? Because you think that maybe will work for me? I won't know until I'm 14 feet in the air and things have gone <laughs> fucking sideways. You know, lit quite literally that, I don't know. It's, it's, but, and look at the extremes it's gotten to. Like, for example, take that uh, Bud Keen pipe camp. I've, I've gone to Mount Hood a bunch in the spring. And I remember three years ago I was there and that was happening. And they literally had they what looked like eight to 10 year old kids doing ice baths after training. You saw that training down, all day. Yeah. Like their parents are like, okay, these kids are Olympic hopefuls. We're going to send them to Bud's camp. They're going to fucking win the Olympics. And it's like, dude, your kid's 10. He doesn't need a fucking ice bath. Like just give, give him a bag of Skittles and let him run around. For I like know. True, right? like, dude, <laughs> the ultimate motivator is fucking M&Ms. Yeah. You just put them like E.T. down the fucking <laughs> pipe. They'll, they'll do whatever you want them to do. Get candy. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's coaching serves a purpose. I think emotional coaching is probably more of or life coaching is what's needed. Is huh? what's needed because these kids don't know what to do with their money. Uh, these kids have no idea how to handle the other side of it if they don't, if it doesn't pan out for them. I think that that's something huge that no one talks about in this sport is the other side of it. Is you know you're the shit and you you come up and people are like blowing sunshine up your ass these days it's probably like two years three years maybe if you make it and then all of a sudden you know you're working at uh at some you know you're doing drywall and it's a really hard come down off of that because the high is so high so kids need kids need to be able to process that and and when you're 12 years old and you've got someone um you know pampering you and you don't have to think for yourself. And, and this is just society in its own right now. Is everyone is, I don't know, just, you know, for my kids, I, I want to give them what I didn't have. But I find myself sometimes being like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mentoring you in the way that is more beneficial for you when you hit your 20s. I'm just trying to give you things to make me feel better. So some of these kids like you know basically to have a have have an exit plan for them be like you know we're doing this for you you know we're going to try to make the olympics if you don't it's okay here's the other side of it 
But like I said, like you have a 12 year old kid and all you're doing is telling him yes, 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 yes. And then someone says no when he's 15 and washed or he doesn't make it and he falls out the other side. You're going to have a kid that maybe will turn to substance abuse. Well, maybe will just not be able to process that mentally because at that age, like you're basically in as a child, you're fucking insane from the time you're 12 until you're about 21. Because of your physiology, because of your your emotions and your brain and your body are not working together, you're just like, just blundering through life. Like some of us make it out alive. Some of us, unfortunately, really don't make it out alive. And it's, you know, I see that in snowboarding and skating and, and all these sports, like where you just have coaches on the beach and people fucking yelling and ah, everything is like happiness is based on your placement of 60 seconds of your life. You know what I mean? Like a snowboard run is 60 seconds. And, and you're putting your self-worth on 60 seconds every weekend. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Stupid. So Stupid. true. They can't handle the downs. No. And it's because the high because the, the highs are built up to be so high that the, uh, the you know, you're going to have the converse side of that, and it's going to be real low, mm-hmm. really low. And there's a lot of layers to that. When, first thing when you're talking, I, I think of, like, as you're saying with a, a coach, a life coach, take somebody like Bill Enos. Bill Enos is just a life coach. He's he like, he'll take you, teach you how to drive a car for the day. That's like, yes, know, he's dude. Like, and, and things like that. And, and then you look at, but in, in order to be really, really good at snowboarding, unfortunately, you got to have tunnel vision. It's mm-hmm. got to occupy 98% of your brain. And when it occupies 98% of your brain, you barely learn how to know any other life skills. I know right. snowboarders that don't even know how to cook a fucking egg. And yeah. it's like, but they can do a fucking 900 every single try. Totally. And that's, kind of the reality of that and a lot of times too is like you know the parents get involved with this and you know i'm not saying this is for everybody i'm just saying like from what i see this is like a general blanket statement um you get you know like you said a kid like the millennial theft prevention a car with a shifter like just just just, just right. things that <laughs> millennial like theft you know it's just like a thing that that you the kids should know how to do and maybe if you are that life coach that comes in you are allowing them to have tunnel vision because you're helping them on the sidelines with this mm-hmm. other stuff. Like they, it's just, I don't know. It's but at the same time, you can't just do it for them. Mm-hmm. You have to show them how to do it. I mean, I'm not. I mean, w- with my own son, I'm not. I'm not what I'm preaching right now. Mm-hmm. I've taken an opposite route of that, and it took me a long time to realize that. And it's you know, so I feel like I have some wisdom in this to 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 see what comes out on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, dude, there's, and there's so much more we can keep going on this. Cause I love this topic too. And you look at, I, I see a lot of the, even people my age and probably, but it seems to have declined with people younger than myself. And, and there's a, there's definitely a lack of accountability and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, you know, the best way I learn, I was saying here, I got to fall on my face. Oh, you can tell me to do something a million times. I got to go fall on my face, but you see, like, let me think of an example of maybe like a parent doing the kid's homework, right? It's like, if you do that kid's homework, what is that lesson the kid's learning? Right. I don't do my work. Somebody else will do it. It's not my fault. I don't have to take accountability for this. Someone else will do this for me. And then, okay, goes off in the real world. Oh, fuck. Well, I don't, I don't have any desire to pursue something. Oh, I wonder why. I yeah. don't know. You know I, it's, it's true. They're it's just true. waiting for someone else to do it for them and they're not going to step up. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of earlier on our Patreon interview, I asked you who your biggest inspiration was, and I mm. thought you had a great answer for that. Yeah, so my, I think about things in terms of like snowboarding and stuff, but I think that's like too, it's too small of an answer. Um, my life has changed drastically since I had kids, 
um, when you grow up and you you get good at something and you get accolades and you know whatever fame money whatever from something you it's the me show everything's about me 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 kids will completely change that it's you have to be selfless my wife is a fucking champion i don't know how she does it um anyone that ever says that uh you know if a, a, a woman that's like a homemaker that stays home and takes care of the kids and takes care of the household doesn't work is just an idiot because they do twice as much work and they have to, they basically are the container that holds a life together. So my wife is my inspiration. I wish that I had the work ethic that she does because you know, you can't have bad days. You wake up, you're sick. Who cares? Foods, you know, kids got to go off to school. I help out as much as I can, but there's a lot of years that I wish I could do over again, especially when I was like balancing a career of snowboarding and, and having a family because those early years are gnarly. That was, I had a question I wanted to ask about that. How, how did you balance such a heavy career and <sighs> family life? You know, in the beginning it was, like I said, it's when, when your life is, is purely about you and advancing your career because you think that's what you need to do. You do a lot of dumb shit. And it ain't easy having young kids um, that cry a lot and that don't let you pursue this me time. I would find myself, you know, staying longer on trips and things like that. And it's, it's, I regret all of it. You know, those early years where I was like, you know, finding excuses to leave. I should, you know, I wish that I had, uh, you know, in hindsight, maybe dove into it a little bit more. Yeah. It may not have been as good for my career, but, um, you can't get those years back. So you my, miss those times. I miss those kids. times. You know, I miss those. I look, I go through, you know, you, your phone conveniently organizes photos from year to year and you look back and it's, it's, you don't get those years back. You can feel those feelings and you know, it's, it's, it's a hard one to, to, to do it right. To, to have, you know, be the best parent that you possibly can. Plus have a, a career that has you on the road that has, that you need to focus inward and really make it all about you in order to succeed. It's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. You know, people that do pull it off, you can, you can, you know, take your hat off to him because it's, uh, there's a lot of stumbling that goes along with that for sure. Well, now you seem to have a better, like it seems like you don't go on as long trips and you're just like stick, keep it more local and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's there's a lot of reasons for that. I think uh, in I traveled so much for so many years that I don't like particularly like going anywhere anymore. You know, um it's it's funny because my wife um and my kids like we we would do these trips where we would go to like somewhere like we go to New Zealand or we would go to Norway, like on these family vacations. And I'd just be like, ugh, uh, I've been there. I want to go there. It's, it's lame that, that I, I, I'm bummed on myself for, for getting those feelings. But it's, uh, it's, it's, just, it's a crazy thing when you travel that much in your life and you, you, start to, you start to have anxiety before things even happen. You know, like even just coming here, just coming here. I, I never had travel anxiety. I was, I was like, where am I going next? I'm living out of a bag. Like who cares? 
All I need to know is like where, where I'm jumping and what country it's in. But I think as you get older, like you really start to cherish the time where things are slow, or at least you get a taste of slow and you're like, God, I like slow, but it's, it just comes with maturity. Um, my father-in-law once told me, he's like, I didn't know shit till I was 50. And I think that it's, it's really, I haven't, there's some things I'm figuring out now that I'm like, what a moron I was for like the, the first 50 years of my life. So figure it out now. Huh? Seriously. I mean, it, like your brain, there's just the things that were important to you then are just so trivial. Or like I saw this, this thing where like, you know, when like a timeline of it, like, you know, the man kind of like baby turning into like the man or the caveman turning into the modern businessman. It was like, you know, when you're, when you're age, uh, one to six, you're, you're all hold me, hold me, hold me when you're age, uh, you know, six to 20, it's all look at me, look at me, look at me. And then it's like, you know, you, when you get to this certain age of like being more mature, it's like, just, um, see me, see me, see me or here. I don't know. Just, it, it just kind of goes in this thing where like what you think is important is so not important. You know, can you give a Makes specific sense. example of what comes to your mind when you say that? Just paying attention to what people say about you on the internet. I do not give a flying. It's fuck. not important. No. And it's it's hard in this industry where especially now the the focus has been so much on social media and the spotlights on you. You know, to you know, basically you have to put yourself out there and you have to also not be affected by the the jealous critiquing of you. It's such a such a double-edged sword. We have the thing, the bucket over there. I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Absolutely. And, and you notice that the, it's it's almost age-specific where you can see that a lot of the younger guests really give a shit. They're they do. Like they, yeah. think that, they think that what they're saying, everybody's going to trip over and they're going to... F- really scrutinize what they're saying it's like at the end of the day nobody gives a shit no one gives a shit like the the people that give a shit are such a minute just fraction of the human beings that you will come in contact with for the rest of your life do not carry any of that baggage with you forward if i can give one piece of advice to these kids is like do not uh take anything that someone says to you online and carry it forward from this portion of your life. Don't let it ruin you. They win if it ruins you. You know, you only get one fucking shot at this. Your knees work right now. Eventually they won't work. Eventually you're jumping into a fucking statue isn't going to be all that hot. So so make it, you know, just have the best fucking time you can at it. And that that that's not going and looking at your comments. You know, you don't let them occupy some space no. in your head. You know, exactly. Like Give them free rent in your mind. Totally, totally. Real estate's expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. and you it's need true. to own. Like, you need to own all this. Own it all. And That's it's right. like fuck. Life's short. Like I, it's we're all we're all gonna be in the dirt soon, and nobody's gonna remember who the fuck we were. Exactly. And it's like so that thing that you're tripping on, and this is maybe another wormhole that I was almost that was coming to mind as you were talking. Love but these. I, I do think that it, outrage culture is so popular right now. In the sense of like, sure. you know, like let's burn somebody at the stake on social media that it almost heightens that sense of it actually does matter what I say because it could be we could be canceled by via outrage culture. And, you know, I 
there's a lot of it that I agree with that there's some things that, that we got away. I mean, growing up back East, yeah. the stuff that was said, and there's still stuff that's said like that in and around family gatherings and <clears throat> doesn't have a place in society. Absolutely. doesn't have a place in society. But I will say this though, is that there is, I feel like a movement to put a microscope on people first to first to heat them up a little bit and then put the microscope on them and trap people in things. And that's not right. And I don't, I don't think, you know, no one is perfect. Any of these people that are putting a micro microscope on people and, and analyzing every single word that comes out of their mouth, there's no way in hell that you are squeaky clean. So reap what you sow. Does that make sense? Yeah, that yeah, makes sense for sure. I think I just saw Jeff Goldblum fly through here. Oh yeah, he's, <laughs> he's back? back. Yeah, it's warm. Goldblum's back. <laughs> oh, that's Mothra, dude. That's, Mothra. A, that's a moth. Uh, Goldblum's I not got, back. I'm gonna hit a guest question from uh, none other than the Iman Ika mm. Baxter. Oh, there he is. Hey, bombhole. Iman here. <laughs> I got a guest question for Todd. Hey, Todd. Seems like you have a pretty much everyday routine when you're home. Um, why don't you tell everyone what your routine is and have you ever thought about making it into a song? Thank you. Hello, my voice only has one octave. It's just like this. <laughs> it's everybody from Finland. I love yeah, everyone from Finland. Before I, before I answer Ika's question, I have the best fucking Finnish story ever. Let's hit this it. is just, Ika is an anomaly. In, actually, no, he's not. There's some raging Finnish dudes. Um, Remember that guy, P2 Poroinen? Mm -hmm. Okay, so P2 had won a car at the Aaron Style one year. <clears throat> and he won like an Audi, right? Sick little Audi A3. The guy's like, oh my God, P2 Poroinen, you've won an Audi. What do you have to say? They put the microphone in front of him. He goes, all right, they have a car. <laughs> 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 Fucking... <laughs> Finland, like, <laughs> ah, come to Finland. I don't know. I fucking love Finnish people. I would say, like, in the percentage of friends I have from other countries, most of them are from Finland because I love them. They're like walking fax machines. It's just dry, as dry as dry. It's like a fax machine talking to a fucking old dial-up motor. <laughs> it's so funny when you see him try to figure out sarcasm, like Tony. Tony <laughs> He tries so hard to figure it out, and they just. Can't always get there. Todd, what is the difference between desert and dessert? <laughs> Real quote by, I think that was uh, Laurie Scari. Oh and God. Ika, the, the story goes is that Ika and Laurie were in the back of, a, of someone's truck driving to Mammoth. I can't remember if it was mine or Brian Craigles at the time. And they're just in the back of the truck, like, and just, <laughs> all of a sudden, one of them goes, Brian, what is the difference between dessert and desert? <laughs> so great anyway uh, uh ika yes uh i have a he was fascinated by your routine yeah i have a a i'm a i'm, I'm a creature of habit um i wake up i surf the same surf spot i've been surfing that surf spot for freaking almost 30 years and i go to the panicking and i go home i've worn I thought a you drop your kid off at school that was another no the, my kids oh yeah well i dropped my daughter off at school then i go surfing then I have my coffee and I come home. I've worn a groove in the road. Same spot. Pretty surfing. much. It's like, and the people give me shit about it all the time, but it's, I don't, I'm not the dude who's going to fucking go on a quest. And because going on that quest starts to eat into the time I can actually be doing the activity. Uh. It's kind of like if I lived here, I would probably only go to one skate park because I don't want to. I do that. You know, yep. but it's, you know, 
it's like Starbucks. It's shitty, but I know I'm going to get every time I go there. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's my routine. And would I do a song about it? Ika is referring to the um, famous Encinitas, uh, Ode to Encinitas by Lindsay Jacobellis to the theme of Tangled. Yeah. Um, that song is out there on the internet. I don't know who has it, mm-hmm. but every once in a while it rears its ugly head. Something like, <laughs> get a little bowl of acai, acai yeah. run up stone steps. Great song. It's a hit. It, it was is an a hit. hit. Yeah. It just gets in your head. Well, let's let's transition into uh, the commentating world. Okay. At this because <clears throat> you've made a career. If you've Anybody that's listening to this, if you've listened to X Games or NBC or the Olympics, you've heard Todd's voice. You're like, oh, well, I recognize Just fucking butchering runs left and right. Well, <laughs> dude, I, I have to say, though, from a standpoint that the, the people don't understand is I've gotten that booth. I consider myself decent at speaking publicly. And you put the headphones on, and all of a sudden, the thing you don't realize is that there's all these people in your ear being like, uh, cut to commercial, 30 seconds, uh, plug the Toyota fucking banner. How many people are we talking? Um, it depends on if they leave the mic open in the in the truck. Sometimes you're calling a run and homeboy just didn't flick the switch back again. So you're hearing the director screaming at people. It's camera four. Give me camera four. What the fuck? (laughs) It's just like gnarly. And I'm just like, and here comes Danny Davis into the first hit. Like just trying to play off. Like shut it out. Totally. And hear what they want you to hear. I couldn't focus. Literally. I could not focus when you did it. It was funny. And then I remember I took Chris into the, the truck and explain to him the hierarchy of how shit rolls downhill in a TV truck. And the one dude, the closer you are to the door to exit, that's where all the shit piles up. Really? And there's like a conductor, and he's conducting the, the give me camera three, give me camera four, uh, give me, uh, we're going to roll gold on this, blah, blah, blah. And then there's people on the fucking computers scared to death. Like the more higher up in the food chain you are, the more scared you are underneath them. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of yelling going on, but for some reason it works and it all works it out. all works and you when you watch the x games and you see all the different angles it's it's a guy inside of a semi truck where there's eight people in there and they're yelling cut to the slow-mo angle cut to the fucking slow-mo cut to angle five. what the what's wrong with you like screaming at people stuff. yes it's gnarly and i'm all i'm hearing this shit in my ear but yeah okay so transitioning to commentating i got hurt in 2003 four shattered my arm here at park city um, I, I was with twos that day. I was with, uh, Scotty Arnold, Hannah Beeman just fucked up my arm, exploded my arm into a million pieces in the pipe. No, I was riding the, um, what's that? What's the one run? The big park Kings crown Kings crown. Oh yeah. Kings crown. Kind of a flat light day, weird park city snow, kind of inverted layer. Like the, it was hot, but cold. And I remember going off this jump, didn't clear it slammed came to roll to a stop and i was like whose arm is that <laughs> oh that's my arm it was at such a like an angle such a weird angle just uh, like just anyway took me out for half a season so they're like well you know i think i was i was like one of the main dudes to like win x games that year and some they're like oh you're out so why don't you sit in the truck and and call it so i just did and it was fun and that's kind of where it started 
you know, just talking shit. Well, going back to tying back to Jacob Ellis, you were talking about some interesting stuff. I've heard you mention that like when she fell, for example, for the Olympics, a lot of times there's producers mm-hmm. telling you to say certain things in your drama. Ear, right? Yeah. Like they want you to stir the drama. So yeah. explain what that's like. So in, in Lindsay's case, um, this is in the 2006 Olympics in Torino. Lindsay Jacob Ellis did not win the silver. She lost the gold. She fell on a method. She's trying to do a method to like, you know, show off, off the last hit, which is great. She's that she's fucking Palmer. She's, Taking that's dope. What Get Sean Palmer did, and freaking is gonna go for it. She's gonna go out because that'd be on the cover of fucking Wheaties. She fell. She ate shit. Um, the people in the truck, because this was, and the way that this was edited there, because it was time delay, it wasn't live, live. So they had time for Lindsay to go on the host set and talk about what happened. It gave the producers time to craft a narrative. Um, Lindsay initially had denied that it was a method. She just said she was just grabbing her board for stability so that they were, they were crafting this narrative because a lot of people were like, this is the biggest gaffe in the Olympics since blah, blah, blah. And they wanted to skewer her big time. And myself and Pat Parnell, who were doing the commentary at the 2006 Olympics, we're snowboarders first and foremost, you know, we're there to do a job. We're there to create drama and hype. Not at the expense of someone's, you know, the expense of the sport or the expense of someone's feelings, you know. And so they were telling me just like, say that she was showboating, say that she threw it away. And I just wouldn't do it. I'm like, she got caught up in the moment, you know, like I'm trying to like say what they want me to say, but not say it, but say it in my way. So it doesn't come off as harsh. But there's, there is a lot of that stuff going on, especially with the Olympics when there's so much, not so much now with the Olympics being live, live, they will tell you what's at stake. They always try to tell you to convey to people at home. What does this mean? Don't talk about tricks. Talk about what this means. No one gives a shit about a 1440. They can't, it doesn't matter. What is at stake? So that's, there's been a more of a transition away from that, which I think is, is much better. If you don't say what they want, will they, can you lose your job? No. I mean, there's, I guess you could if you were really green in it, but like, you know, I would like to, I would hope to think that the, the good outweighs the, what, you know, what else I'm doing is outweighs whatever, you know, in the moment moment. they want, they want you to do this. I can tell you this though. If you swear on the air, it is a big fine. Boom. What are we talking? Like thousands and thousands of dollars. Wow. If you're in a live event and you drop a fucking F bomb, you pay for that out of your pocket. Right in the no lube. Yeah, it's bad. They just so, send you an invoice. Going back to pretty much, like you look at somebody's career. Essentially, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, this is my highlight of my snowboarding career." But I'm I'm fascinated to know what's. Do you have a like a career commentating highlight you can think of? Sean White's one run from the 2018 Olympics, and it was. If you, I've gone back and I've rewatched that a whole bunch of times because it's just I kind of have to. Um, we didn't say hardly anything at the beginning of that run if you go back and watch that run we are quiet for like it may be 45 seconds but it seems like three minutes and it's sean's in the gate and but this is i mean i'll credit this to our producer billy matthews who's a freaking g you really i mean these there are people at nbc that love snowboarding they may not snowboard but they love it and they are invested in it and billy's like shut up don't say a goddamn thing don't say anything 
and they're like, give me more audio, give me more audio. And you can hear Sean creaking in his boots. You can hear, he spits, looks up down the pipe, jumps around again, takes his goggles off, looks. You can hear him breathing. You can hear everything. And Billy's like, Sean starts to go. And Billy's like, now you can talk. And he was into the first hit, like almost through the first hit. And I came in because I was like, in the booth, like, holy shit, like so, it was emotional for us too. Like this was it, last run of the finals. We're on an emotional high. Ayumu, is he going to beat Ayumu? Ayumu just looked like he just, there's no one that's going to beat him. And Sean came in and threw down. And I don't care if you like Sean White or don't like Sean White, what he put, the display that he put on of snowboarding that day and just human endurance and ability to rise to a moment, it just transcends sport. And he killed it. And I was screaming like the run it's, and I go back and I watch that and I still get chicken skin watching it. And it's, you know, there's just times where things just go, you know, it just, it just click. Everything just lines up and, and happens the right way. It's it's and gives you that emotion. That's totally. what you're looking for too. You yeah. got it, it. Came out you you emotionally felt that, and it came out in your voice as opposed to having P two Peronin announce that. Well, it, it, <laughs> you might not get that same. The silence <laughs> built up the moment too. Yeah, that was so the, smart. Totally. Of the, the competition in the competition will lend itself to that. Like if you're there's definitely sometimes where I've been. It's a snowstorm sideways, and I'm commentating a who sucks least. Yeah, and that sucks. You know, where you're just like, all right. What's he going to do on this run? Just, you know, just especially in half pipe. Half pipe can get really monotonous if people aren't just zooming through the air. But yeah, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of those jobs where I am, you know, you think the people on online are harsh about what I'm saying. I'm way harsher on myself than what anyone could possibly say. There's been some, some moments where I've butchered runs and a lot of it has to do with, I don't know what footed they are before they drop in. I don't see the first camera angle until the dude's in the air. Like there's a Max Perot's run. That was the one that I, I feel the worst about. The fucking fucker won the do tour. And I called this run wrong from start to finish. Because he was goofy or irregular. Something, something yeah. was just off. Yeah. And I just, I just, it was just like, fuck. I, I send him a text. And I apologize. I'm like, dude. But it's, you know, it's, it's hard to you can't count spins, dude. It's nowadays hard. they're so big. They're you're like, is that a nine hundred or a twelve? I recognize speeds. I recognize basically flying shapes. I don't. I'm not counting. You can't count. There's no yeah. time to count. And if I don't know, I don't even say the name of the trick. That looked like a twelve. Oh, Wh- which sure. way did he land? Backwards. Okay, twelve sixty. But how fast did he spin off the lip? Could be sixteen. You know, so. There's that kind of thing. Like, is it the finals? Would he be doing a 12 there? No, I'd probably be doing a six. Like, if I look down at my notes and look up and someone's just like, flying through the air, you know, I've got to, like, kind of like. What do your notes say out of curiosity? Well, there's a lot. Like, what footed he is? What did he place in the last competition? What did he do the run before? You know, that kind of stuff. Then you have an idea what his next trick's going to be. Kind of. Like, you kind of have to build a strategy on that because at these events that are like, you know, it's it's really hard. And a lot of times the rail section happens so quickly that I'm trying to like set this dude up and hype him up, but it's hard to like hype him up and then get in what he did on those. Cause there's so many um, change-ups now on the rails mm-hmm. or like you, like I call a rail trick, a name that we used back in Vail. Like I got shit for this one. That was at um, um, one of the detours a couple of years ago 
we used to, there was like the half, half cab over, like basically what you would call like a 270 bring back. It was, we called it like half cab overturn front side board because you'd basically just half cabbing and you're overturning. So we'd call it half cab overturn slides or whatever, but that shit doesn't, you know, kids don't know. Kids don't know like what the history is of some of these grabs and some of these things. So, you know, instantly, what the fuck is he talking about? I'm just like, look, this is, you're talking about people who were there in the beginning of these tricks being made and we call them different things, you know, like I try to keep up with the Joneses. What was the trick really called? Well, people call it cab 270. Yeah. Cab 270. Oh, cab, br- bring that's back. What talking about, cab or 270. bring back or pulley. Sometimes you say yeah. cab two pulley. Pull back, yeah. yeah. Uh, or cab two to regs or front two to switch. Mm-hmm. Or however that's you what say I'm it. But familiar with those two. The, yeah. The, the uh, one other thing before we get off of this topic, I'm cause, cause really commentating, you listen to it and you don't realize behind the scenes like it's a it's a craft it's a full-blown craft that you can get good at the same way that you got good yeah. at riding half pipe and i i'm curious because i i love w- listening and watching hockey a lot of times and you take doc emmerich who's one of the best guys to ever call hockey Insane. and and he has i want to say like uh, 40 or 50 different words for pass so he has like a sheet and it's like he caromed he heaved he mm-hmm. pushed he so like he's talking about passing the puck but if he said oh he passed the gym pass pass if he said pass 40 times he'd be like but there there's intricacies to essentially understanding the, the english name language and, and whatnot now do you do you have any ways that you've kind of honed your craft in that sense at all i try to entertain myself yeah um there's there's words that are called crutches that's like if you are um basically you know that kind of thing pivot you've got one you know it's it's just what you use um i think that that you find ways to entertain yourself i mean there's definitely been contests where i'm like trying to get in as many anchorman references or caddyshack references (laughs) into the actual broadcast as i can you kind of make it fun but at the same time you know you're trying to convey something to people and be like, depending on what the contest is, sometimes I'm like doing a stand up routine, but people only, I might have an audience of four people that will get, get what get you're it. doing. And that's how I, how I do it. And just try to craft words and craft struck sentence structure and, and try not to use the same words. You know, I'm very punny. Like that's just me in general. I can't help it. It's like some weird, like, I don't know. It's like a tick I have. I have to pun everything. Every time someone says something, I have to fucking pun a word in my head to it. Cause maybe I don't know. I might need to use that someday, but, um, but yeah, I just try to do that a lot and like innuendo, but don't go too deep in the innuendo. Mm-hmm. Um, walk the innuendo line, walk the innuendo line, especially these days. I want you to fucking get a little, I, well, I have a moment that's a personal favorite moment of your announcing career for me as a listener. <laughs> oh yeah. And it would be, <laughs> it would be the natural selection. Uh, oh, when you got back on the mic and you said, sorry about that, Willie, I was having explosive diarrhea. <laughs> Like the natural selection was like that original natural selection at Jackson Hole and Dick's Ditch was the product of me being close to Willie. I get a certain way around Willie. We both like, I'm already like a shit talker. When I get around Willie, it just like turns it up to 11. Like just (laughs) the miserable, grumpy old fuck just comes out because, and then plus we were like, we were frozen. And the only way to stay warm was to drink Jack Daniels. And I think we all had like norovirus too at that point. Everybody was like sick. There yeah, was, like I literally left the tent and went and shit and, and had snowbank. explosive diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it was gnarly. 
was so bad. People were dying. Like I remember Gigi Ruff came out of his room and I was like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? He just looked like, oh, oh, like frail. Daywalker, like it's just some vampire that had just been booted out into the street. Yeah, it was gnarly. That that event was, was something else. <laughs> I guess uh, I'll hit you with a quick uh, Patreon question. You brought up Johan earlier. I got one from him. Okay. Um, It's kind of along the lines of some things we've talked about here. What were the three rules for having a 20-year pro career, and how the fuck have you never had a real job? That's not true. First of all, I have had real jobs, Johan. I worked at many a restaurant doing dishes. I worked at the ski market at Mount Wachusett. Um, I've worked at skate shops. I uh, worked at BC Surf and Sport in the mall in Boulder. You know, I've had jobs. You've had a whole career, it sounds like. Well, it's like, I don't know, you just had to. Like, snowboarding didn't pay until it paid. Yeah. Um, what the hell was it? What was he said? The three, three things? Three rules for having a 20-year pro career. I don't know if this is something you and him have talked about. Or- I, no, I don't think so. I think the first one is uh, is you got to want it. You got to risk it all to gain it all. Um, you got to let shit roll off of you. Um, and, uh, I don't know, stay healthy, but I think the answers that Johan would be looking for, see Johan, um, he's a Massachusetts native as well. He is. Yeah. Give him a big air horn. I met Johan in Cape Cod. He was working at this bike shop called Alties that was in Yarmouth, Mass. And he, there was a skate shop slash bike shop. He was the biggest fucking dick in there. And like, (laughs) sounds about right. You would go in there and he would just be like, Hey, you like basically like belittle you into you know while you're making it like trying to give this dude your money for a skateboard he's trying to like hack you off the legs and give you ha- his goal is for you to leave with zero self-confidence <laughs> like just does anyone have a large japanese sword that i can ram through my chest when i leave the door you can take the kid out of massachusetts but you can't take the massachusetts out of the you kid. cannot so I think the answers that he's looking for is like fucking give a lot of fucking shit to people, fucking leave a a trail of chad ruins behind you. <laughs> chad ruins. That's exact. I think that's the exact answer. He's looking for. Lie, fucking cheat, and steal. That's what it is, right there. Uh, the correct answer. Yeah, that's the correct answer. So thank you for your Patreon addition to this. <clears throat> Buds, it's that time for you know what. Oh, oh. dude, this is gonna be harsh. Well, Todd, you're more known for your contest results, so I don't think you have a lot to lose. What do you got? A, what do you got? A fucking X Games sale? Like one of those songs <laughs> in the beginning of what X Games was the song sale used for to transition to commercial? <laughs> that would have been everyone. Awesome. Yeah, that would have been good. Hopefully, you went old school on them. What, what's your confidence level, dude? It depends on the era. I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I don't want right, to give it away. Well, my confidence is. Thirty percent confidence level. I like that. Not bad. <clears throat> okay, Todd. Here we go. Oh, this is my video part from fucking destroy. Dude, that was a lob. You just lob at me. I, I consulted your friend Pierre Wickberg, and he thought that you also <clears throat> might not know your own video part song. What an asshole. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck you, Swede. Yeah. <laughs> Swede. So dude. You get yourself a little bomb hole. I think this was, this was just for me to get one of these. You guys felt, look at that, dude. Filled yeah. with merch. It's got bomb hole merch mugs. in here. Yeah, that's uh, a new black edition, the too. There's a little button. There you go. Never used one of these um, before. What do we do? Yeah, there's some stickers. There's a mug. <gasps> uh, yes. All this of is so sick. 
All of the merch available at bombhole.com. You can head over to our store. We got Stony Bud's Air Freshener. Fun Pro Model Air Freshener. Keep things hype. fresh. Yeah, he actually had a similar royalty check from his Pro Model Air Freshener. I think it was 265K. <laughs> he left it on his. It was $2.65. <laughs> I guess he left it on his, his coffee table. Can, we, all his can we please bring back the Pro Model? Like, seriously. I really. I really They're out there. Not really. They're just not selling a lot of them. Why? Because because good because question. reps are fucking lazy. You think it's a rep? Yes. Call? I don't. Why would I have to? I don't want to sell this kid's name. I just give me something that's gonna, you know, sell high, buy low. Fuck that. Let's bring it back. They just want the the reps have the gimmicks with the different type of cambers and whatever. Tie that yeah. personality into those boards. Let's let's bring it back where it was. Yeah, they used to sell so good. I don't know what happened. Fuck these big dumb half pipes. Yeah, I agree. Little pipes. pipes. I love it. Dude, Little okay. Pipes is definitely we, the answer. We still got to do one more Name That right. Video Part song, and this is for... Oh, we got, we're still in Name That Video Part. Yep. If you guys know the uh, answer to this one, comment on the photo of Todd Richards on Instagram when it comes out. Uh, the photo, the initial Richards photo, that's where we pick our winner, and we'll see who the first person is. You get a prize pack. We're also throwing merch from our sponsors, so you'll get some Liquid Death stuff and some pub beer stuff. So, here we go. So also, sidebar, that is a woman's video part. We've been getting, um, you know, been uh, some some good advice to include more women. So some requests. a woman's huh? part. Thank you guys for playing. This is a quick shout to Whitey for, like, back in the day, mixing it up with, like, kind of classic rock. Like, that was at the drive-in, like, at a time when they were kind of obscure band and <clears throat> he's just done a really good job of creating a vibe for videos mm-hmm. that I would love to see the skits too, the right? Skits, that, dude. The skits were the beginning of personality. Yeah. He pulled uh, Gigi rough out of a uh, trunk. That's right. Really, it's yeah. all, this isn't going to matter because it's all be over soon. Threw him off a bridge. Threw him yeah. off a bridge. Yep. That's right. <laughs> well, Shout another, out to concrete uh, sneaks. For yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> the real, Oh gee. Oh, the real concrete OG. sneaks is actually Gigi rough. So, <laughs> So we got a, a question from Patreon, Lane Knack. Ooh, I love Lane Knack. Who is Captain Cripple, <laughs> and what is he doing here? Segway pivot. <laughs> ah. Captain Cripple would be uh, the name of my character in Out Cold, Dr. Barry. I, I don't think I ever had a last name. Very delicious. It was know. just Dr. Barry. <laughs> Dr. Barry. <laughs> the doctor is in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lane Knack, giant fan of Lane Knack. I think about people that I love to watch snowboard. Lane is one of those dudes. Just his style speaks to me. Um, Arguably one of the best Cab 7s ever do. I just, I say that. It's just, just I don't know. Dude. Lane is just dude. Lane. I don't know. It's Lane. Um, but yeah, Al Cold. That was me in a wheelchair. I was. Can we talk about the Hollywood experience? Sure. Where do you want to start? Yeah, what was the I feel vibe? like you need to be more specific because well, maybe it was... we start with his uh, celebrity lookalike. Yeah, oh yeah, we got a good celebrity lookalike. We have lookalike. a really good one. Really? So that dude from Outcold. Yes. <laughs> celebrity lookalikes <laughs> yourself. We were trying to think of if you had a celebrity play your your role in life, kid who would from it be? ET. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the kid in ET uh, for your younger. Yeah, we can set up a whole like time frame. Dude, uh, I got something funny for this. I and I'll send, I'll give you this picture. Someone sent me <clears throat> about a year ago. And this isn't like a celebrity look like, although considered to be a celebrity in some circles of the planet. It's this picture of Jesus holding a fucking lamb. <laughs> and my God, 
if it isn't me, even you thought it looked like, dude, you. I'm like, that's fucked up. <laughs> so anyway, so you're, you're, could be my wow. celebrity could be Mel, lookalike Mel, is, Mel Gibson. is Jesus. Yeah, which it could be Mel Gibson's Mel Gibson. Passion of the Christ. Yeah. So yeah, Mel Gibson. So it's anyway. a trip when you look at a photo and you're even like, wow, that looks like me. Well, don't they say that there's some like, there's at least four or five doppelgangers of you on the planet? That's They do say that like, Because nowadays. of the gene chain, like the, the gene code you whenever. could bump into yourself out <clears throat> i've there. gotten a lot of peter norris in my day i don't know if you know that is can't porn star that anyway. oh, porn star huge right. mustache yeah. i i beg you right <laughs> <laughs> mainly from photos of the cross region <laughs> mainly from uh, uh dick pics um, yes yeah. so, yeah, so that's peter north huh <laughs> out cold back to out cold <laughs> yeah here we go <laughs> so here we go <laughs> so i go uh, so i'm in hollywood and, well i it's funny because the the movie out cold was done by um the Malloy brothers who are actual cousins of these, there's a surfing family, um, the Malloys. And this is how they were like, I get pitched to me through my agency, which was the family back in the day. And I'm like, Hey, they want a snowboarder for this movie. And I'm like, cool. What are I going to fly off of? Like, no, no, there won't be any snowboarding. You'll be an actor. And I'm like an actor. Oh, okay. So, but you have to go and, you know, they want you to read for this part. So you have to go read for it. So I went up to LA. My friends lived in Los Angeles and Hollywood. And I went up there and partied my balls off one night. <laughs> like bad, like big, like went full dum-dum as we say. And I remember going to this, um, this reading where you have to go into like an office and you go <clears throat> and you sit down on the couch and full of, in front of a couple people and read this part. And so it's like, it's a bunch of stuff about Barry and there's all kinds of like footnotes in there that only a person that would, would, um, be experienced in doing, you know, being an actor would kind of know what those meant. I said them out loud. <laughs> like it was like enter room. Like, I don't know. Like just, I was clueless also really like sweaty hungover. So I just read this thing kind of like I would like sarcastically be like, oh, fucking go into a room. Hey, what's what's up, Rick? Hey, guys, uh, which one of you is the Jacuzzi Casanova? Like, I'm just, fuck, okay, can I leave? I'm going to die. <laughs> I get halfway back to my buddy's house and I get a call. And I'm just thinking to myself, blew that, who cares? You know, don't care. You got it. You got the part. Would, would love for you to do it. Okay. What is, <laughs> this is like September. So November rolls around and um, it's time to go. Um, I'm, you know, go up to Vancouver. Uh, they put me up. I go to the set. <clears throat> the first, the, when I first arrived, I know nothing. I'm just super green. Didn't, it was like kind of waffling me. Like, I don't want to fucking do this. And, you know, my agent at that at point was like, you have to do this, dude. You signed for this thing. We'll get fucking sued. You got and I'm just like, ah, whatever. Like just so full of my bullshit self at that point. Like, <laughs> um so i go and do i get i fly into vancouver i'm taken directly to the set where they're filming the scene where sluggo rides down the stairs at the big party and i get in there and i see rob boyce and sluggo and i'm like oh what's up he's like dude this you're gonna have a great time these people are so cool i meet galifianakis there i meet um a bunch of different people i forget who else i met at that particular time oh victoria Silvstadt, the Swedish blonde mm -hmm. um, model. So then it just kind of starts to go. And, and next thing you know, like I don't, I've at this point, I've, I'm stress reading my lines. Like I don't know how to do this. So I need to stress read. Well, actually back up like a couple of weeks. Um, they get me an acting coach. 
So I have to go to LA um, once a week and read with this acting coach in Hollywood. And it's this weirdest thing where you're like going like, like practicing breathing when you, when you're like saying these, it was so weird. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing here? I'm a snowboarder. <laughs> God damn it. Just like, just <clears throat> so I, and memorizing these lines, like, like stress, stress memorizing. So I get there and the first scene that we do is the one where we're at the cabin and pig pens burning his underwear. And, um, you know, I'm telling Rick and those guys that I can, I've got a plane. I can fly you guys to Anchorage or whatever. And I just remember like being there, like so stressed out that the boys could see that I was stressed, the directors. So they had Galifianakis start doing stand up to like lighten the room up. And my God, this is before Galifianakis was anybody. Yeah, he was kind of a no- yeah. unknown at that. Just point. some fuzzy dude from North Carolina. And he was so funny that it just like, I really credit him with like keeping it lively and making it so that I felt like I was having fun. It was, it was always fun. Like he was always doing something ridiculous and it was just, yeah, it was just this crazy scene. Like we ended up spending a solid amount of time in Nelson, BC. Um, you, when you go to Baldface lodge up there, you pass by the little town of Salmo where they filmed me getting out of the van and all that stuff. It was fun. That's yeah. killer. Sounds like an awesome experience. Yeah. Met kind Lee, of uh, cheddar Majors. biscuits we talking for a project. Not as much like cheddar that. biscuits as you would think, dude. That's what everyone always keeps saying about these projects. Well, it was like I think it was forty grand to do it, you know, which bad. was which isn't bad. But I mean, I was rolling into that thing wa- waging um, three three weeks in peak warm up time before mm. my first competition versus forty grand. You're talking it, to a guy who's got checks at home for two hundred and sixty. Yeah, you know, K. I was just like, just I had a house made out of novelty, oversized novelty contest winning <laughs> checks. <laughs> That's a good building material. That That's is a great good building. It's really material. good. Um, but yeah, you know, I was just like, it just didn't. It was like I was like ah, but it was great, you know. And they would have sued you if you backed out. Oh huh? yeah, I'd have been fucked. But I didn't. You know, the movie came out the next year to zero fanfare. I went to go see it at the movie theater. I think with we're at my wife's um, parents' house. There was like three people in the theater, <laughs> including me and, um, and your family. Yeah, but it wasn't until it started it hit Comedy Central that it and it was on like every day for like a long time, or like HBO or whatever it was on. It was on a lot. Yeah, like to the point where and it's still on. You still get checks. Those little yeah micro like seven checks, cents, checks, seven dollars. Yeah. Like you know. But it was great, man. It was just, I think back on those times and like, that's why I'm, like I said kind of earlier, just say yes to as much as you possibly can. Because at some point people are going to stop asking you to do shit. And that was one of those things that like, it didn't, didn't seem cool at the time, but the experience and like me meeting Lee Majors, who I grew up the $6 million man and the fall guy. And like these shows, I met that dude Mm -hmm. and he was as fucking insane as you would possibly think. There's a story <laughs> I've told this story and Galifianakis actually told this story to David Letterman on um, Letterman had a show that was on Netflix for a little bit. And it's a li- Galifianakis tells it differently than what it was, but the premise of the story is the same. We were all having dinner there at, and there's this little lodge on the lake um, in Nelson. We all show up at this place to film some of these scenes and we all staying at the same hotel and there's a little restaurant and a bar at this hotel and Lee Majors is there 
And he's hammered drunk, fucking hammered. And we're all having dinner. And Lee Majors has been at the bar just drinking since like two o'clock and we all got there. And we're all, we have dinner and Lee Majors is telling us these stories about how he used to page himself at the Sands Hotel in, in, um, in Vegas back in the day to like get women to notice, know that he was there. He'd be like, Lee Majors to the front desk, please. And, and he would be <laughs> fucking paging himself. <laughs> <laughs> bold what move. move yeah what a psycho move. power move by the way and the women be like oh lee majors is here and they'd just be like oh you have a page for lee majors oh hello there that is some classic shit right yeah there. just, just <laughs> dial a dial a woman in the lobby <laughs> so he's telling us these stories like when he was dating farrah fawcett and <sighs> and my i was i was sitting across from zach galifianakis and thomas lennon the guy who plays officer dangle in reno 911 oh, is, is sitting next to me awesomest dude ever and we are just like holy shit and it just got crazier from there like an hour later where we all eat dinner finish dinner we move over to the pool table and who let the dogs out comes on the fucking thing and lee majors starts air guitaring with a pool stick going who let the dogs out who who like just around this and and galifianakis says like in the in this thing with with um david letterman how like he was singing directly to Galifianakis. He was. They weren't at the bar, but he literally was like in Zach's face going, who let the dog, like asking him a question. Like, I would like you to tell me where, who let the dogs out of the house. My whole childhood crushed in an evening. Like, you were stronger than anyone on the planet. Now you're just like the fucking creepy uncle I can't wait to get away from. But it was amazing. Like that. Wow. That whole thing was insane insane wild funny like the funniest of funny people just good times hollywood's a different beast like it is i'm not another beast i'm not cut out for it you didn't get called back for any more roles huh no you know what i went and read for triple x not triple x charlie's angels too oh Oh, no the original charlie's angels charlie's angels carrie hart got the part of like the bad boy like it was just a different thing but they were like oh fucking action sports guy has been in a movie let's and i went and read for that one moron like bad (laughs) really bad almost as bad as hungover you know thing but at that point i had a taste of it i'm like i want to be in another movie (laughs) yeah i'm ready cool yeah it's bad i want to pivot back into another snowboarding topic here so you know i I don't know if everybody's familiar but your your contest results in I don't even know the exact time frame, but you basically dominated half pipe for a long time, right? A couple uh, couple of years, I had a, a really good run. Mm-hmm. And you're we're talking about X Games wins. We're talking about U.S. Open wins, West Beach class. I'm sure there's tons and tons of contests, right? And and while you're on that tear, I have a two part question. Mm-hmm. Like when you were when you were prepping, like did you ever did you have? I, I'm always curious about people's runs. Like at the top of the <laughs> run, did you have a, a routine? to get yourself prepared for these big events. I'm an insanely superstitious person. Oh, really? Very okay. superstitious. And especially when it came to competing, it was uh, eight, same thing the night before the contest. Wore the same socks, like pretty much. Wore the same long underwear. It was really weird. If things didn't, like, see a penny, pick it up. Like that kind of shit. A little weird. A little OCD-ish. But... It worked, and whatever I needed to get into my own head to make that happen, you know, I would always go for, like, little walks by myself, um, walk in the woods, would replay the run. I mean, at this at this point in time in competition, too, it was two runs combined for the most part until around 98, right after the Olympics had changed to a one best-of best of format. It was two runs combined. So you were, 
you are being bred to be consistent, not to be progressive. And, um, you know, I would imagine that run in my head, I would only do that run. Um, my goal first run in practice, do the contest run and then just build always, always try to end. If you're having take no more than four runs in the warm up before finals, take no more than six runs before you, you know, six practice runs. If you get your run out, don't do it anymore. And it was just one of those things. Like I just, you know, would only allow myself a certain, certain amount of runs to do. And, like that kind of thing. Or a lot of people over practice. <laughs> what if you can't find your lucky socks or can't have your lucky meal or be a struggle? You'd, you'd end up not doing well. Well, I think maybe once I equated it with not doing well and then it just became this fucking weird thing in your head. Thing in my head. It's all like I'm just weird like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just I notice a lot of athletes are like a certain amount of clicks on the ratchet and I wasn't that I wasn't board that, a certain way. I wasn't that O C D. I mean, I still I have to touch the airplane before I get in, before I fly somewhere. I always do that, too. I don't know why. That the outside is. of the plane. I'm like, oh, let me save everyone on this plane. <laughs> Just touch it before I get on the plane. I don't oh, know. Uh, Jordan, I think, he wore his North Carolina jersey under his Bulls jersey his whole career. I think it was just familiarity, and, and that's followed me my entire life. I like It's taken me a lot to get outside of the – and I think it has to do with being like a little – a little kid in new England and not really being ever exposed to anything at a young age, not a lot of culture, not a lot of foods. Familiarity was really important to me. And if I could just create a, a mobile form of familiarity, I would be in my comfort zone and it would make it easier for me to perform where I needed to, mm-hmm. which is for better or for worse. You, you, you end up, sense. you end up not taking risks. Um, you end up like missing out on opportunities, you know, that kind of thing. But, but if it comforts you to to do well, calm right. down before your main run, then. <clears throat> but and it's also too like it, it would it would help me find that flow state you guys like to talk about because it's flow state's real, I think flow state. But a flow state begins a lot sooner than just you being in the gate. Like I've had days where flow states happen where like literally everything falls into place, and that's why I think the flow state is bigger than you tapping into something within yourself. I think flow state is becoming on it's you hit these railroad tracks in the cosmic fucking whatever. And it's, and it's a power, it's a power. I like that shit. Yeah. I do think so. Interesting. Like whether you get like, I need this to happen. And if that happens, I know this is going to happen and that happens too. And then I know that this is going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. Everything just lines up. It all falls up (laughs) and clicks. And that, and that's, I think a big part of framing that is like this, how I frame things and some, it may be corny in some people's eyes, but I, I kind of have a mentality like everything happens for a reason in a sense. And then you don't fight it. And so <clears> when <throat> something happens, you're like, okay, that was meant to happen. I'm going to not fight this go. For example, I went to the, I was going to go to the track the other day. It was closed. Went to another motocross track. It was closed. I was like, okay, I'm not meant to ride dirt bikes today. Right. I was, I was going to get hurt yeah. or something. So I don't know if that. Yeah. It's like mind. a path, path to positivity, but that path always goes negativity too. And a lot of times, like when you force things is when you have these outcomes that are less than desirable. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do think that like, you know, that flow state thing where like you've already won the event and you haven't even strapped in yet. Really? Yeah. I've what had, about when you were announcing and you hit the flow state with Sean White announcing? I almost had a heart attack in the booth that morning. Like, and I'm not even joking that I, I, I don't, I don't know if it was a heart attack, panic attack, I should say. Panic attack. Because it's the Olympics, it's live, and I started to like 
hyperventilate before be okay we're gonna have the countdown in 20 seconds we're coming to you guys in 19 have a good show guys 18 17 go to red 14 then it just goes quiet and i was like (laughs) oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck don't pass out like i had to like call take myself off a ledge Mm -hmm. and it's i don't know you just get excited all the blood rushes somewhere weird and next thing you know you're like what 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 about uh surfing flow state no I've, surfing is this weird thing where I don't know. Like if 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 for me for me something. Well, I guess there is there is that way. Like if you're if if it doesn't feel right, it's not meant to be kind of thing. Don't fight it. Surfing is all about fighting because you're fighting the ocean the entire time. But there's definitely days like that are it seems effortless, you know. Like with skating, you ever have those days where you're like, the first trick you try, you fucking nail it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, there's no whammies today. I'm going for it. Mark Johnson has a great quote about that. He's like, some days you go skating and you just have it. Yeah. And some days you can't even, you feel like you don't know how to ride your board. And he's like, I've never figured out what differentiates those days. Like how, how to get there. You I, know? F- I feel like there is a, there. I've had really incredible days snowboarding, skating, and surfing. And I'm not, I'm just the disclaimer on this. I'm not saying that this is the way to get there, but it may be a clue to unlocking this door. I've had really incredible days hungover. Why? Um, is it because your expectations are low? Is it because you are chemically relaxed in some form or fashion? You know? I, I, there's something to that. If you can find that way to to find that relaxation state, which is like, you know, where you just don't care. Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of here going through the motions. And all of a sudden, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Well, adrenaline shrinks your brain cells when you're hungover and makes you feel better again. So maybe you're just going from so shitty to <clears throat> feeling good mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you're just clicking into the... Yeah, or like you start, like there's a lot of times too where I where I will go and like have no expectations. I'm just going to go up on the hill. Like sometimes, you know, I I, I don't get to ride as much now because I live in Southern California. So when I go to these contests, even if it's a shitty day, I'm going to go out and take runs. And oftentimes those days become super fun because there's no expectation there. And then all of a sudden nollying off a cat track becomes like the best feeling thing on the planet, mm-hmm. you know? Makes sense. I like that. And also going back, uh, Stephen Kotler's book on flow state, I forget the name of it, but he, he describes flow state, I think, is basically you, you have to be good at the thing before. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have a skill set, you know, where it becomes autopilot, mm-hmm. essentially, and where you're not even really thinking and it's happening. So it's like this. You surrender. It's like a hollow head. So I think in regards to being hungover, if you're kind of like hollow headed, you're mm-hmm. not overanalyzing your brain's not sitting there spinning wheels trying to figure out if I'm it's just kind of hollow head then you're just like and and you know talking about like a lot of people we've had on the show you know you take Dusty Hendricks in or even talking to Tyler Bierman the the moto guy I'm like what do you how do you do this how do you do this he goes don't think just go yeah and what it don't think and it's like if you if you're good and you don't think and you just go autopilot you'll get into flow think of nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's true it's like but at the same time, there I have friends that are hyper aware of everything that's happening. I used to drop into my runs and black out. I don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. You win. Really? I don't remember anything after dropping in. I can remember flashes of my run in my head. 
I can remember feelings. I don't know what happened, but it's a weird, it's a, that's a weird thing where the adrenaline is running so high that you surrender to the adrenaline. You surrender to your muscle memory of knowing what to do at that highest level. And it just happens. It's weird, man. It's such a weird thing. And it's fascinating to me because you can have those days where you're trying, you're fighting with all your might to get there. And your body's like, no, mm-hmm. no fucking way. You're not even going to clear this jump. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Well, on, along the lines of snowboarding, you know, with all your accomplishments and all these things, um, I, I find that, uh, you know, we what lo- the fuck? Oh, you got, a, you got, is that uh, Goldblum? Is that Mothra? Goldblum? Mothra. Mothra landed on uh, Todd's drink. Peace. You almost <laughs> ate Mothra. Mothra's out. How would that be if I just consumed a bug on your <laughs> That'd be sick. live air? Actually, Buds, talk about the crickets. Oh, did you I crickets? didn't bring them. No, yeah, he, we were going to put on the spinning wheel of death. One of we the didn't want to give it to you. I've had those in Mexico. Yeah. Cr- cricket tacos. They're flavored. Ta- oh, I got some 7-Eleven mm-hmm. versions. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Harsh. They're like. Are they organic? They're gluten-free. <laughs> they are gluten-free. Are they, were they pasture-raised? Or? Yeah, they were pasture-raised. They're free-range. Free-range. Yeah. Free-range okay. crickets. Yeah. Mm. You got some free-range flies in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of them garages. We didn't set that up hub. on your spinning wheel of death, but uh, we might do it in the future. Eat uh, some crickets. Just every question is spinning. The wheel just keeps spinning. <laughs> so I, I was wondering about the – just let's talk about the Olympics because right. I know you were kind of favored to win and you've won everything else. Is that kind of the one that got away? And Yeah, that, yes idea? yes and no. Um, I know exactly why it happened. Um, I got really into smell the smell of my own farts. Okay. I was like, God, you smell good. You know, I was just, I was thinking about what was going to happen if I won and not what it would take to actually get into that state. Mm. <clears throat> Barely qualified for the final. And then it was two runs combined at that point. First run, just decked on a Mickey. That was it. Game over. Oh, because two runs combined. If you yeah. fall, you're done. You're out. You're done, son. Oh, uh. that's even that, that must have been horrible, the timing between those runs, knowing you probably not, nothing, nothing you can do. I didn't give a shit at that point. And it was at that point where I was like, I just was like bummed on the whole emotional roller coaster of getting to the Olympics, how much people were wanting from me, how much the, the machine was, was out to like paint snowboarding as these fucking crazy wacky rebels what are you guys doing here everyone's smoking pot and it was because ross rebegliati got busted for smoking weed like the day before so every question wasn't about like uh you know anything that had to do with specific to our event was like what do you think about homeboy smoking weed i was just like fuck everything everyone was sick like the whole like the hotel the whole hotel where we were all put up everyone came down with like a norovirus kind of like similar to what happened in uh, Jackson Hole. So I went and snuck away and stayed with my girlfriend and Trevor Graves and Robbie Morrow, which was, did amazing things for my head. But I was like at an emotional breakdown point. It was just, it was too much. My fucking little brain couldn't handle all that. We weren't used to that. We're used to being the big fish in a small pond. Now you're global and it's just like the, you're you're boarding for your country, man. It was weird. Was that the first time <clears throat> that was happening? Like in, on yeah, we were the first snowboarding. We were the first um, yeah. first Olympics. What, which Olympics was ninety eight? Nagano, Nagano, Nagano. I'll tell you what. That day after the Olympics, I was I was like scheduled to do. Mara was basically hedging everything on me winning. You know that giant paycheck that came from that the whole nine yards. Um, <clears throat> but they had scheduled like this shop tour afterwards where I was just going to parade around Tokyo with my gold medal, I couldn't get to the airport fast enough. 
It's like that night I'm just like mad, feverishly changing tickets. Like six grand to fly home. Fuck You're it. Out. You know, I'm out. I didn't care. You know, it's just like I'm out of here. And it was just such like I was so depressed, dude. Like so depressed. Like rethinking the whole thing. Thank God for my my wife, who was my girlfriend then, <clears throat> because it was it was dark. Just post Olympic depression. Yeah, and it was like you know I was I was a victim of that um, basing my self worth on sixty seconds of contest every weekend, where, and I was so used to winning that you know self worth was high. Self worth was high. Judges said no. I wasn't used to having anyone say no to me at that point, and just wah wah. And uh, it was I think I didn't pull myself out of the depression until like a week later or no a month later they had the the world championships was at Kirkwood and that went, they switched the format to best of three. Cause it was a vans vans world championships. And that's when like the chains were lifted off of two of three. Best no best one out of three. Best one out of three. One out of one three. Out of three. So you could go buck. Chulo. Completely different format than anyone was doing. And it's like when things started to progress after that. Yeah, know, that like, sounds way better. So than what, two what's runs put the together. main advice takeaway to opt for some human optimization nerd stuff of the experience constant. Well, for, for these kids that are going, these kids that want to go for slope style for, for if there's skaters listening, you know, whatever you have, you want to concentrate on, on what's going on with your feet, you know, concentrate on where you are in that moment. That's it. You know, enjoy the ride because I was enjoying the ride. That Are was you gonna, throwing DC propaganda at us right now? That, what do you mean? Enjoy oh, the ride? From like oh. the 2001? <laughs> yeah, he's got some old DC slogans. <laughs> you throwing DC slogans at You me? mean those big puffy shoes that nurses wear? Um, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah en- en- enjoy the ride and, and be like, and just be, um, you know, just be part be part of that. And don't, I was worried about what was going to happen three weeks later. Yeah, you you had the horse blinders on. Totally. Trying to, already doing the tour. I was upgrading. You were already like sitting with Letterman basically, huh? I was like, how am I going to impress Adam Merriman and Ninja at Vail? What am I going to fucking pull up in? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? What, that what kind of car. So dumb, dude. Well, so true. S- speaking of enjoy the ride, we got a guest question oh. from none other than Ken Block, oh, founder of DC Shoes. Hello there, Bombhole. Wow. And Mr. Todd Richards. This is Ken Block. I have a few random questions for Todd. Don't even necessarily have to do with snowboarding or his snowboarding. Uh, First one is, what was your favorite thing ever to do at the Mountain Lab? And how much do you miss the Mountain Lab? Uh, Also, sort of in relation to that, what's the most memorable or weird thing a team manager has ever done or done around you? And finally... Tell us, tell us really, how much did you sell that flip whip video of your son to America's <laughs> funniest home videos? Anyway, that's it, Bomb All. See you, Todd. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Love Ken. You, buddy. The three parter, I think. That's a like four part. Okay, yeah. so the, Questions. the most fun thing at the Mountain Lab, I think, was just snacking. Honestly, it was like the whole thing where, like, you're just going, you're just playing in the yard. Just talking shit, snacking, playing sting pong, video games. Yeah. I miss that place a lot. Like Ken said, like, how much do you miss? I fucking, it was the ultimate clubhouse. And that's one thing that if I could, if I could, like, we have wealthy friends. One of wealthy friends. Ken is the wealthy friend that invites everyone along for the ride. As long as you're not weird. You know, creepy. 
<laughs> like there are some caveats, but you can come, but yeah. But um, yeah, it was the mountain lad times were so fun and it was just a band of misfits of different personalities all hanging out at that house. And it was like, you, know, you had free range, like want to shoot skeet, Sh- go shoot skeet. You want to build a jump in the back? Oh, well, let uh, Nick take the snowcat that he barely knows how to drive and he'll fucking push up some snow. Dude, this one time. So, and this is just how, how loose it ran there. So Brian Botts um, was our team manager at DC at that point. And Botts is loose, loose. He runs his program very wobbly. Brian decided that he was going to pull this giant slidey box from somewhere that he put it down somewhere else. But the thing was buried in the snow. And we tried to un undig it and it just it wouldn't come out so brian has this great idea he's gonna hook this giant winch hook just to the plywood on this box and he's simply gonna like break it from the frost the frost hold that's that's holding it in there he fucking fires up the snowcat the hook blasts blows the whole side of the freaking box off and it's just a whipping like 30 pound bullet (laughs) flies and just goes wham into a tree and like embeds itself into the tree we're all just hanging out me devin wallace freaking ray ray and it's some fucking crazy outfit Easily would have taken someone's head clean off. Oh my god! That's Just by loose, sheer luck. Sheer luck. It didn't kill us. Oh my god! Loose Jeez. as a goose. What about uh, MySpace Tom? Keyword. MySpace Tom was sick. He was. He, he was at a party. Hung out, yeah, huh? they used to have these parties um, for Sundance when Sundance would be going down, and this is. Like Ken, Ken likes to run it flashy. You know, they like to have big parties and woo, invite everybody. We'll freaking get all these people over, and then. I think there was like rumors that Gary Coleman like from different strokes was going to be Vern Troyer was there. Remember the little dude yep. who died from, from Austin powers and fucking MySpace Tom walks in <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like loose at this point, like just lit up mid like day drunk. And I'm like, let's, you know, we're all in Ken's the garage. He has a garage like this with like lockers and it's a fun place to hang out. Let's get a picture with MySpace Tom. I'm like, fuck it. Let's do a pyramid. Are you a bottom or a top? Like just, bah. Next thing you know, I, we have a photo of doing a pyramid with MySpace Tom. Is he on the top? No, he's the bottom. The dude. bottom, huh? Yeah. He didn't want to get up there. Nah, he's at the bottom. Um, fucking MySpace Tom, power bottom. Um, so, so, the weirdest thing that I've ever seen a team manager do? Jeez, dude. That's a heavy one. There's some, there's some hot tub uh, bodily fluids situation. Oh I remember that question I asked Ken when he was on the, I was on the, what's the weirdest oh, yeah. thing you ever found in the hot tub? He, he kind of dodged yeah, that. Yeah, it was like a Louis full Vito. bullet dodge. He did a Louis Vito. I think it was a that one. Petri dish, that hot tub. That's <laughs> where bet. patient zero was coming out of there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, there were some, there's some people, I mean, the, it snowed every night sometimes for team managers. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blizzard hasn't ended for Indoors. a lot of them. Yeah, <clears throat> that's some weird shit. There's just team managers. Some of them got up to some creepy ass shit. Yeah, they just do. Huh? Fucking creep, like, like just gross. Get them all together too. Yeah, that's a problem. They become like a Voltron of bad ideas. Just, <laughs> I'm forming the head. <laughs> just fucking. And it's the truth. Yeah, man. it is. It's true. You get them all together. Yeah, like you get you them said, together. It's a problem. The fucking Wonder Twin powers activate. Form of nostrils of steel. Like Bad just ideas. Don't do drugs, think, kids. think you're solving the world's problems, yeah. but just, yeah. Talking a mile a minute. I got this great idea. We should make fucking water with energy. Ah, where'd you get that idea? I wonder. 
<laughs> Wonder. Okay, buds, let's hit a little uh, breakout moment presented by Pub Beer. Hashtag cheap fun beer. Um, if if you're, you're hanging with the boys. If you're looking to get absolute shit house, <laughs> You want to crush some cans. You want to crush some cans? Check out the uh, pub beer at the store, and it's uh, easily crushable. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Ten Barrel, uh, who does a lot of great things for snowboarding, they support snowboarders, they support us, and uh, if you want to support them, that'd be awesome. Now, uh, Todd, mm. I got a two-parter for you. Sure. Do you have a breakout moment on your snowboard, part one, mm-hmm. and do you have a favorite person to party with, part two? Well, okay, part one breakout moment, <clears throat> I think, was... Meeting Trevor Graves at the Tenney Mountain Snowboard Bash um, in 1989. That was the first half pipe the East Coast ever saw. Um, it was the first time I met Brushy, first time I met Chris Swires. Um, basically, was the first time that I figured out like half pipe was a thing. And Trevor Graves was there, and he was this dude who worked for International Snowboard Magazine because that was the publication at that point, like the, the hype publication. And he pointed his camera at me and said, hey, get you in the magazines. That, that was it. <clears throat> That's where it started. And do I have a favorite person to party with? Wow. Um, I don't really party that much. Um, when it could be past. Past, past partying? Any time in your snowboard career. <laughs> Jeez. Um probably Wickberg. He's he's uh he gets real funny when he's drunk. He starts to sing a lot of journey songs. Just real real sloppy. Big journey fan, huh? Yeah, he's he don't stop believing comes on. It's like everything stops. <laughs> everything stops and he must sing that song. For the people that are unfamiliar, Wickberg is the guy who created all of the robot food movies and the DC Mountain Lab videos. Yes. Talented dude. Great Swede. Also world class shit talker. He is a mad shit talker, mm-hmm. photographer. It's Pierre Pierre's rules of being everywhere, because you you go with Pierre and you're on Pierre time, you're on Piercation. Any photo shoot that we were on, any filming trip, it was, it was kind of a photo shoot. It was more like Pierre's time to experience this place, and you were just along for the ride. Yeah, he'd point his camera at you randomly, but it was more like, oh, let's go do this. Uh, I want to have coffee, and uh, why would you want to do this? Like just. Going around. That sounded like Pierre's an Italian time. guy. So yeah. Not very sweet. Pierre queued up a great topic of conversation sure. that uh, I thought would be good because, you know, there's kind of rules in snowboarding and skating and calling tricks, right? We we can go down an, one wormhole, but I know in surfing that the, <laughs> he wanted to talk about how uh, maybe they aren't calling the tricks correctly. Well, yeah, because... I have many different theories on this, but I mean, it kind of this all wraps around into Todd being Mr. Anal Trick Guy. Yes, we've yeah, gotten a <laughs> reputation. Yeah, yeah I've front gotten front side indie. Yeah, the front side indie started with the front side indie, um, but really, what it came from was me being a lover and student of the game my entire life. From me, like just devouring pages of Thrasher, pages of Transworld Skate, pages of Transworld Snow, Snowboarder. International Snowboard Magazine, Surfer, Surfing, all of this. And basically, you know, Thrasher was my Bible. Anything that was said in Thrasher, for better or for worse, was something that I regurgitated and, you know, passed on generation to generation, people to people. I think that, you know, 
I honor the past of where we came from. We did come, all the tricks that everyone's doing right now have their roots in skating. People paid with their backs, their knees, their ankles, blood, sweat, tears to pioneer these tricks. It's the least we can do to honor their legacy by calling it by the shit that it was called when they fucking came up with it. You know, it's just, I just, I'm, and I'm, I adhere to that very strictly. Like you wouldn't, the, the, the people from hockey in the fifties don't call a hat trick something different just because your dumbass friend from down the street who started your chain of knowledge didn't get it right. And that's really what it comes down to with, with trick names being called weirdly in, in uh, snowboarding and surfing. It was I, in surfing. I equate it to surf guy who never stood on a skateboard, had a friend that skated, but he wasn't really that good. And he just said one day, well, that's a blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, it's a blah, 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 because surf friend has 50 other surf friends that pay attention to him because he's the hot shot, you know, or in snowboarding, it was like one dude said frontside indie in a magazine or captioned or labeled a trick wrong domino effect because people didn't give a shit. And a lot of people didn't come from a skateboard background back in the day. So, I mean, it's like if you say something enough times, even if it's a lie, people will begin to regard it as truth. I mean, we've gotten in some fucking weird places with that recently, mm-hmm. but like it's true in this too. It's like frontside indie doesn't exist. It's a frontside grab, you know, it's an indie air on your backside wall. It's, you know, which toe did you leave? Which edge did you leave on when you went off a straight jump? That to me would determine what we're looking at here or what angle are you drifting? Like that kind of a thing. I don't know. It's just, I, and, and surfing in particular, like the 540 versus the 360, I look at a wave as a moving quarter pipe because I came from snowboarding and skateboarding. The surfers look at it as a straight jump, but it's changing because the tricks are changing, you know? And just because someone does a, you know, you can't call something a 360 on a surfboard, but then in the next page or the next Instagram post, call it a McTwist because it's the same rotation, but a guy dropped his shoulder. According to you, that's just a 360, but now you're calling it a McTwist, which is a 540 by nature. And get in the weeds in this thing and just really beat this. I mean, we talk about another horse. There's another horse trailing the horse that we beat before. Yes. <laughs> there is a this line of dead does, horses. How do yeah. surfers feel about it they're, when they're challenged? The ones, the ones that are pushing the air game, they get it. Like the ones that are in the air game, you know, they understand it. Now, I have another big bone with, with, it's not a shove it if you're grabbing it. It's a varial. You know, it's like, you know, you're going from backside grab, playing across yeah, ver- to, they call it to mute or to yeah. weddle or whatever yeah. we're calling it these mm-hmm. days. Um, you know, pop shove it. Like you can pop shove it to grab. Like you can do pop shove it and slap a grab on there late. But these guys are actually rotating the board. That's a varial. That, well, no, that would be like if your hand rotating. It? If your hand's rotating it, that's a varial. Yeah. But if you do like a pop shove and, and it slaps yep. your feet and then you slap it on there, it's pop shove it, you know, whatever grab it is. So there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion in that like like big spins and a big spin you don't grab mm-hmm. on a skateboard so why if you're doing a a grab to it is it called you know is it dumb shit like that that only bothers me no I think <clears> it's important <throat> because it's it's uh, kind of preserving the the sacred the it's, it's kind of sacred it's like if somebody yeah. woke up one day and you go and you go do a method and they're like that's called a a bunt fart yeah, grab. Right? And you're like, no, Not it's a fart. method. It's yeah. a fucking method. Like yeah. it's, and, and, um, Pierre likened it. I thought that this is kind of an eloquent way to, to phrase it. He likened it 
like musical notes. Like these are the musical notes that we based our foundation on. Mm-hmm. We based our foundation on a kickflip being called a kickflip, uh, you know, and such and such and so on and so forth. So when somebody comes along that was unfamiliar with the foundational musical notes and just is like, this is a 360 when it's a 540 or whatever it is, yeah. you know, or in, you know, frontside indie or whatever the, you know, you can get, get into the weeds. I mean, it lives in skateboarding too. Switch nollie. Yeah. You know what I mean? That doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Yep. So it's like, you know, you think of that in terms like skaters are policing themselves as well, but there was like, this is a really great example. And and my buddy, Mike Burnett from Thrasher told me this story once that when he was growing up in Texas, there was these backwards ass kids who had a mini ramp about a town over and he went there to skate one day and the kids were calling axle stalls, action stalls. And it makes sense because you're stopping the action of skateboarding to be up on there but they just didn't they heard it from somebody else heard it wrong heard it wrong and and really that's kind of how a lot of things have rolled in snowboarding this is word of mouth like back in the day when we were when we were living and riding in Vail, tindy tailfish newt um all that shit is from lift rides with j2 myself and whoever else was around talking shit on the lift yeah you know, it's like the the first time I ever heard tailfish was back in the day in New England. There was this guy who skated in Rhode Island. His name, his nickname, I don't even know what the fuck his nickname was. His name was Metal Man, and he was this vert, vert dog. And he would do, he skated, looked like he skated in slow motion, kind of the way Josh Dirksen or, or some of these snowboarders snowboard. They look like they're really slowed down. And he would do these giant, like big late grabbing, like tail grabs, but they were like grabbed kind of like on his foot. So it was kind of like stale fish, but not like it was weird. So my buddy Pete came back from seeing the guy skate. He's like, yeah, the guy's doing this trick. He was like, he's grabbing stale, but, but tail is a tail fish. And that just kind of like went on. And then we, you know, that kind of found its way into snowboarding or like, you know, the Tina, mm-hmm. the Tina, Tina Bassett. She did methods like that. It was just, now it's like a thing. It's just like things evolve from different places. And depending on how you perceive that and, have it go forward it's like you know writing down the game of te- like a tele game of telephone you tell a story you tell five people you're going to get a different story by the end that's kind of how it goes but the fucking story started basically in and around this area give or take <laughs> 10 years so, so let's preserve yeah it. let's fucking keep it going along the right railroad tracks here i think it's important okay we're going to jump back in we just took a quick little pee break uh but todd wanted to re-up with a little uh sniffing little I can't, smelling salt i can't get enough of these yeah we need to kind of wake back up. Hello. Oh. Back. Rejoining our broadcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Where is it? It's right it's there. The table. there it Just is. use your nose. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. We're I just. Back. That's a, that gets you. That's a good, gets like, hyped. two hour in, kind of like, oh, we got to hit a salt. Dude, I feel up. like I just sanded one nostril from the inside. Oh, yeah. That could was be. a good one. I got a deep, you got a deep, deep whiff. <laughs> Your eyes are watery. Such a weird smell. Um, gets well, me hyped. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped on that smell. So we're people say that about cocaine. <laughs> so, I've heard that yeah. that they enjoy the smell of it. <laughs> enjoy the smell of cocaine. I don't like this stuff. I like, just love the yeah. There's been way the smell. way too much talk about that on this. There has <laughs> a little cocaine pivot. I'm not. I'm not there. Ever. So we're gonna pivot into a Patreon question, and this is from Tyler Corles. Thanks, Tyler. Let me give a little air horn. Who is the Han Solo of snowboarding? Han Solo of snowboarding? We're going to have to talk about maybe like a bad guy. 
he's maybe a bad guy. He's a you know reluctant hero. Uh, gets all the chicks. Who is the Han Solo of snowboarding? You know, I'm gonna go serious answer on this just because he's kind of a prick. He's uh, you know, kind of has a bad attitude. Somehow has pulled it off all these years. Runs his program a little bit loose. Seems like he's got it together on the outside. Brian Fox. Okay, ah, wow. There you go. I was not expecting that. Yeah, that's a good answer. Kind of like I you think about that. him, he's kind of like a little sarcastic, like a hot chick. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Wearing a vest like Han Solo, mm-hmm. too. Or like maybe a, no shirt at all. I don't no know. Shirt. Okay, who's the Princess Leia of snowboarding? Princess Leia of snowboarding. <sighs> Barrett Christie. Oh, wow. Ah. Great answer. <clears throat> that Great is a good answer. answer. She's, you know, strong. But, you know, tell you what she thinks. Can run can run an operation. Okay, who's the Yoda of snowboarding? Yoda of snowboarding. <laughs> Who is the Yoda of snowboarding? I think everyone has a personal Yoda of snowboarding. Um, kind of like a little wise sage. Jeez. My Yoda of snowboarding is probably... Fuck, I don't know. Austin Sweeten. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's a good answer. Sweeten. Maybe just because he's little. Yeah. <laughs> he just went for that because of size. Yeah. Was, it's almost like snowboarding's too young yeah. where we don't have totally. like a, a decrepit no old, old enough yet. person. Like, it's too Gooch? young of a sport. Gooch, maybe? Oh, Gooch is a good answer. Gooch? Yeah. Yeah. He's always... I he's think sage. He's, he's pretty... He's got yeah. some... All right, who's the... Uh, this is the last, last one. Who's the Chewbacca? <laughs> the Chewbacca of snowboarding? <laughs> Fuck! Do you know any hairy ass people? <laughs> Tall, hairy of a ass, huge, hairy human tall. that like grunts. Harry Hagen. Harry Harry Hagen. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's not that tall, but I like that. He's hairy. Not that hairy, but yeah, oh wait, he's, he's, he's that I'm thinking of? I'll give Harry an air horn. Yeah. I'll take Harry as Chewbacca. Harry yeah, he's got a big beard. I don't That's know. That's a good one. I could almost see like uh, Bodie because Bodie's huge. Is he hairy though? He's huge. He's not hairy. I feel like no. the the main point is You're a hairy ass individual. Huge hairy. Yeah. You got to be huge and hairy. Hava. <laughs> Can you imagine being a, a Chewbacca ass motherfucker with Hava's bowel problems? Ooh, just God. covered in shit always. It's like the matted, hair. just matted <laughs> shit all over your backside. I remember Hava got back from shooting with you, and he has, always tells the story. He's like, You're at, on top of some jump. It was like, I think it's in one of the DC videos or something. And you're like, I'm going to do a back three. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> such a good such a good book yeah. to preface yeah it was i was just uh because you know like it depends on who you're filming with i think i was i was at this jump with tomich myself um i don't know somebody else and tomich was at like whirling dervish phase where everything was like fucking corked 900 off of everything and i was like what am i gonna do dude i i've never hit this jump before and I was, you know, it's like three landings. Everyone's landed everything, and I'm, I'm not ready to f- go for it. So I'm going to back three. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a good photo, though. Why it's not? pretty good, though. So, guys, I'm going to back three. I'm going to back three. It. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the filmers at least are just front like, three. You can you can use a front three video clip. Yeah. Generally. Why is that? Why can you use a front three and not a back three? Back three is just maybe like, the way you poke it towards the lens. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I don't know because it's too much. Back three is a little warm. Arthur Longo, he's doing he's doing good things for the back three. Yeah, mm. yeah. He rips. He does rip. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Well, let's get into some hot takes here. Okay, hot take it. Hot takes. So uh, first one we always like to ask, we'll say MJ or GOAT of snowboarding, male and female. MJ of snowboarding, I will say for me, um, and this might even be like, who's who who inspired MJ? That's the question that I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Craig Kelly. He was the guy who did, you know, a lot of people say Terrier, but the, Terrier wouldn't exist I wouldn't be here unless it was for what Craig did for the sport. <clears throat> Style, professionalism, the whole nine yards. Well, you're describing as more like the Magic Johnson or Larry Bird of snowboarding, but yeah, I like, I like it. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh-huh. We're going on that. Uh, okay. I think um, Craig's a good answer. Yeah, I do. I think that's a great answer. Um, and then women, as well, let's just say goat. Goat of snowboarding? Jana Mayan. Wow, I think she. Was, I think Solid. she was the first one to break that boundary from what you know, girl riding to just fucking rad snowboarding. I don't care what gender you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, we like to talk about uh, on the show the beaver slap. Mm. Now, are you pro or con oh. uh, beef slap? I get the when the job needs to be done. There is no other way to do it than by slapping beef. That's true. Yeah. It is. You know, sometimes it depends on where you live. You live in a warmer climate. Mm-hmm. Might be beaver slapping more sticky snow. Sticky snow deserves a Cer- beaver slap. Certain boards have horrific top sheets. Yeah, it's certain top like sheets. They, they try to change the texture, it. and That's it's right. like it's like Velcro. For Look, you snow. put a lot of time into that fucking sticker job. Mm-hmm. I want people to see that shit in line. True yeah, story. average time mm-hmm. spent on sticker job for me. Yeah, dude, back in the day, I was like, there was shit being weaved together. Oh, is that under the sticker? Over? Oh, it's an optical illusion. I don't know. Oh, you were weaving, dude. I had some. I would Dream spend weaver. like. <laughs> like razor blade action. There's nothing like irks me more when I see some kid who just like, or like this other this new trend of drawing your logos on there. Yeah, I give these guys shit all the time. Like, motherfucker, these brands take the time and budget to supply you with everything you could possibly need. Give you this lavish lifestyle. You can't be bothered to put the fucking sticker on there. You want to draw it. <laughs> Great I feel like they yeah. draw it because they don't have the sticker with them. They can't be bothered. No, to they're bring they're it like they're like oh, I do art. That's yeah, oh, like, oh, it's oh, art. Oh, artists. Dane Reynolds did this in one of his surf videos. Now I'm like him. I'm weird. Oh, try to figure me out. You can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about Fox. <laughs> you start. You and Austin started all this bullshit. Wow. Now we got Griff trying to draw, but his Quicksilver logo is all fucked up. Like ah, looks like it's drooping, but you're too late. You can't go back. It's all sharpie. And you're all oh, it's sad. <laughs> I know how to draw too. <laughs> okay, what about the old good old fashioned edge drag? What's that? Like uh, you'll see it. Like it's probably like maybe when you first get sponsored or something, and you, and you have your board, you're holding it by your your edge, your heel cup, mm-hmm. and you're walking across the parking lot. You're this not one? picking it up. It's dragging oh, across the that? ground. Dragging, dragging. Your you ever hit edge. the drag? The edge drag. Maybe when I thought I was real hot shit. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, but that was like in a time in snowboarding where like everything just looked like it was falling off of you. Mm. You know, bit of a flex before tech. What about highbacks in or out? I get a lot of shit for this one. I used to do highbacks in, then I started to do highbacks out, but that wasn't even good enough for the people because I I like to have zippers in the bottom of my cuffs and my pants because some habits die hard. This is new trend where there's like. It went scrunchy. back scrunchy back to the old school. Not a fan. So I get shit for now running my pants inside my high backs, but having zippers. So I can't win 
with any. I'm just gonna run me. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes you just gotta be you, huh? Yeah, be me, me. Bud, you got a peachy? Uh, we're getting low. Do you have, scr- got, do you have scrunchy got, pants? Uh, I mine are mine are scrunchy. I I do have. I got a topic, buds. So let's go. Uh, I run the scrunchies and I I like it. But what is the? I've heard I've heard it's because of snowmobiling. No, no. I mean, that's some people. I I run a huge pant. I like a gigantic pant. Samezies. So, like for me, I, it doesn't have anything to do with that. I think the pant to me, the thing that matters with the pant is like how baggy it is around the knee region. Yeah. Because when it tapers, for whatever reason, there was some trend where brands would make it taper in around the mm-hmm. knee for the past ten mm-hmm. years, and for the life of me, I can't figure it out. I'll tell you what the the baggy snowboard pant can hide and camouflage. Some of your style inconsistencies. Yeah, for be, sure. Yeah. yeah. A great exposure is when you skinny up those pants and then people oh my can God. see what the fuck's really going on in there. Yeah, no. on. You don't want to do that. No. You want to keep those things cloaked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This year I saw a lot of people cloaked. with those backcountry straps Yeah, those around the bottom of their pants. It's definitely Wait. some tech nerd kind of. They take uh, volet straps and strap them so the snow doesn't go up. Oh. And, and then yeah. no snow gets in no matter what. Dude. Okay, I'm going to pivot here because this is a giant pet peeve of mine right now. I love now it. Within the industry. So, everything that's old is becoming new. We've got, you know, we've got guys like Diener out there, like wearing giant pants on the hill. And he's my example because I went, on a, went to Holy Bully with him. And um, it's just, it's funny to see the big pant thing come back. And it's also funny to see people not ironically wearing old school snowboarding gear from the early 2000s or even late 90s on the hill, like running it legit while riding for other companies. And then twisting the narrative of marketing so that the companies begin to make all that old shitty fitting stuff from back in the day and bring it in into their new line. It's like we already I, I survived pants that didn't work. <laughs> I survived <laughs> pants that didn't freaking fit. I was so happy. Gore-Tex? Oh, my God. I could never have dreamed of Gore-Tex back in the early days. Now we're going to take it back to ill-fitting fucking shit with no hood? Like, I don't know. This is wacky. It's wacky. It is wacky. I'm just going to start recycling. Like, Eventually, I'll be back in style, I figure, at this yeah. point. Yeah, you just have to wait. <laughs> yeah, I just got to wait for my cycle you. to come around. Yes, just, exactly. If I just drop some video part from 94 and see, how do you like this? <laughs> just filmed it. They're going to be like, Sam Todd is like, oh, he's real trendy, man. He's just yeah. like jumping on these trends. <laughs> What's his deal? I don't know. I like, bag- I like my shit to fit a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And also, they recognize the yellow pants in the contest. Yellow also pants. Important. That's right. You wear those yellows. Uh, going back, we've talked about uh, contests, a million other things, yeah. but uh, <clears throat> you started a brand, Omatic. I did, and that was like a uh, um, picture having like a portion of your savings. Now mm-hmm. throw it into a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Go into business with a couple really narcissistic people who want to throw your money in the fan too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, it was fun while it lasted. I really enjoyed the part where I could craft ads and and like basically where my ideas had no filter and they would just go. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's really, really fun. We had some really fun ads, some really fun concepts of boards and like having social commentary on what's what's out there on some of the boards and just being goofy. Egos came into play. Um, blood-sucking lawyers. Um, people that pretended they knew what they were doing but didn't and spent a lot of money on different things. 
it was a, yeah, it was a learning experience, but you know, if you want to, if you want to learn a couple mil, if you want to earn a couple million bucks in snowboarding, you should just start with one mil. Oh, no, wait. If you want to earn a million dollars in snowboarding, start, start with, with a, million? a few million dollars in snowboarding. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just crazy. Like running a board brand at that point in time was just, it was a risky bet. Yeah, maybe not viable. No, and we, you know, the, the, the philosophy that we had with that brand, I mean, it made sense to us. It was at a, you know, basically we wanted to not make snowboarding such a rich kid sport. And the cost of entry into snowboarding is so expensive, as we all know. Lift ticket, I mean, it's only become incrementally more since OMATIC in like 2008. But we wanted to have a board that would ride, because all the boards are being made at basically one factory anyways. But there's like, you know, if you offered a board at 250 bucks as opposed to 400 bucks, even though it's made in the same fucking mold, Oh no, that's a cheap board. Yeah. It's the same board. It's your board from last year they sold us the mold for. So we wanted to pull the curtain back a little bit and and give people a cheaper option. And the way that we would do that in the initial first year was to offer it as a um exclusive with uh, I think it was Gart Sports or yeah, I think it was Gart Sports. In they Colorado. In called Big Box in yeah. Colorado. Like you can only get this board here or because that's when Sims and Lamar and these companies were like their in-house brands, but no marketing, no sponsoring of snowboarders, no sponsoring of events, no nothing was being given back to the industry. We wanted to use their money as a launch point, but at the same time, bring up younger riders, introduce more riders, get, you know, basically do all the things that a brand would do, but just have it incubated within the box brand so that we didn't have to bear the financial responsibility up front because it was really hard to get into it. And it kind of worked for a couple of years until, until while well, the financial crash happened, where China was, they wanted to have um, instead of twenty five percent upfront for board for to manufacturing, they wanted seventy five upfront from companies that didn't have a credit rating, and that fucked us. And then <clears throat> weird lawyers got involved and just just some really shady shit with some people. It sucks. It sucks, dude. It sucks. I. It's it has such a bad taste in me that I don't even like looking at those boards. I mean, I I was sued for. I mean, it's kind of a gnarly thing, but like I was sued for a lot of money by two people that I thought were like kind of in it with me. Oh damn! And basically had to sell my house in Breckenridge to pay off that financial debt to Omatic. I had to pay for somebody else's fuck up with my money because they basically one of the guys was a lawyer and he's like, look, I'm not, I can do this all day long. I will bleed you dry with court bullshit. Straight up told me, he's like, you can pay this or I will bleed you dry. Fuck lawyers. Lawyers are the only ones who win. <clears throat> it's exactly true. Yeah, exactly true. I've had friends that have gotten divorced that are really wealthy and they spent like over a million dollars just trying to get to a point where they can both say, fuck you. It's like, just yeah they could have just started there. yeah dude like just i don't know but just be careful who you get into business with i guess that's my don't ever go into business with friends or a lawyer or a lawyer <laughs> or yeah yeah that was a weird one but like i said i enjoyed it so also one non-business related i remember mm. you guys were louis vito's team manager during dancing with the stars it's fucking amazing dude yeah that was probably <laughs> fun time it was <clears throat> louis is it louis is a gem of a human being mm -hmm. and he got a lot of shit for going on Dancing with the Stars, but I challenge any of those people to, that critiqued him 
on going on Dancing with the Stars to get up in front of an audience of strangers, not to mention 250 million people, and expose yourself like that. You can't. You won't. Louis got balls of steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some questionable jewelry antics are going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> but he probably got, had someone putting those outfits He's got together balls for of him, steel. Sure. Dude, Tiny Dancer. He's the fucking shit. Yeah. I back that he did that. I do too. And I went to see, I actually went to uh, a taping of it. And it was, it was incredible. I bet. Seda and I both went up there. Oh, Seda Seda, yeah. <laughs> and it was like just the funniest thing. Like, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Watching them go Never. Ne- I would never do <laughs> yeah, that. Are never you kidding do that. me, dude? Just so out of your element. Yeah. Dancing. Just no way. No way. I have a hard enough time singing karaoke without like 30 fucking tequilas. True. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> dude, so one thing we haven't talked about that I know you're big on mm. is uh, Audis. Where did your love for Audis come from? Um, Adam Merriman. <laughs> Adam Merriman and um, Ali Goulet. Uh, when we were living in Vail... <clears throat> The Audi, okay, so I was always into German cars. I had a, a Volkswagen GTI. Loved it. Adam had a Adam had a Jetta, like a sick Jetta. And but when we were we were snowboarding in Vail a lot at that point, and like the status symbol, the ultimate I seventy status symbol was when you were trying to get to the hill and some fucking dude blew by you in an old Audi ninety series doing like eighty in a blizzard. And we would always see these Audis, like the old Audi wagons, the 90 series Audi wagons in the parking lot of Vail with a studded Blizzax on it. And we're like, tank, life goal. And then I finally like made enough money and got one. And I, I haven't owned anything other than an Audi since 1995. You're still on the Audis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, I think I have a, sec- a backhanded question mm. from Ika's. Do you have a TT? I do a TTRS actually, not just a TT. And the reason that I got that car is because the inline five cylinder engine that's in it harkens back to Audi's original rally days with the S1 Quattro, like back when we're thinking like real rally, like people in the fucking course while people are flying over. And that was like the five cylinder. So that car is a lot of get up and go. For a little engine, it's pretty. Rare. Yeah, Lee had a TT. Let me drive it. <laughs> yeah, once. those things are pretty sick. Yeah, his his had the five cylinder in it too, the old Quattro Coupe, the ninety Quattro <laughs> Coupe. Yep, that thing was insane. Dude, I definitely feel uh, pretty honored to experience some of what you're describing with J two. Uh, when I was hanging out with Lane Nack, he shot photos of us maybe in the early two thousands, and he uh, would go drift around. There'd be like cul de sac circles or yeah. whatever, sport roundabouts. Loops. Roundabouts, yeah. and he would just them. do drifts, and <laughs> he would hit the snowbank with his car. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, I've seen that footage. Are you in the car with him where he's doing mm-hmm. the? Was that in the Tech Nine video where he's whipping up something? It's like a full sport loop, but he's like in the bank, just. I'm not sure which video. I know yeah, what you're Lane talking Nack about. Probably has some footage. <clears throat> yeah, it's so imagine. sick. Yeah, and yeah. used to have an ass wagon too. Yeah. Um, Ika. Uh, sidebar, he doesn't like your car. He talks shit out. He, he doesn't Audi. like Audi. He has an Audi, too. No, he was saying, uh, why did you oh, get yeah, the stupid TT or something like that? Because yeah, uh, he, he, what was the voice you use? Oh, why do you, have, why do you have this stupid hairdresser car? Because <laughs> <laughs> goes... Hairdresser car? That's what he calls it? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it does a quarter mile in fucking 10 seconds. That's why. Mm-hmm. That cars are fucking fast as shit. <laughs> so we've kind of been... Because, you know, I live my life. Quarter mile, quarter, mile quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Qu- is it quarter pounder? Uh, quarter mile. Okay. Todd's in there. Menage! 
Monica. Dude, that'd be sick. I live my life a quarter pounder at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking super Vin Diesel at like 330 pounds. All right, we've we've been chatting. We've Mm. been on a banter uh, excursion of sorts. Um, And I kind of want to do a little bit of life hack talk because I've heard a lot from what you've been talking about this whole time. And what do you, what do you attribute your successes from like, like navigating through life in such a manner where you've accomplished so many things? What do you think the underlying like key to that success is? Don't be a dick. Don't burn bridges. That's pretty much it. That's bottom line because you never know. Like there's been so many, I mean, I've been a dick in, in to people in my career. Everyone has, everyone's been, you know, things that you regret, things that I can remember now, Back like when I was hiking the pipe in Breckenridge and I, you know, having a bad day and you say something stupid. But the thing is, is like things that I've I've realized over and over again is that kid that you are as coach at High Cascade Snowboard Camp will go on to become the guy that's running some brand that you are now riding for, being endorsed by, or maybe, you know, could tap for a favor or is responsible for your some form of your advancement of life. You never ever know you just don't you know and it's so and and not being a dick is is something that i think that you know we talk about that a lot on on our podcast monday mass is like that's it's a life mantra and there's just so much of being a dick in this world right now that would be easily stopped if you just weren't a dick Mm -hmm. people can disagree Mm -hmm. don't be a dick about it Mm -hmm. you know God, that's a banger. It's yeah. the truth. It's just so simple. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Do, do I sound like a dick? Then you're being a dick. Like, just <laughs> don't say it. Like, have your internal thing. I wish everyone had a 15-second delay where thoughts kind of rattled around. I mean, there are some people that we know that it ta- it looks like it's taking a while for the shit to get out of their mouth, but maybe they're better off because that shit rattles around in there for 15 seconds, and they have that 30-second, 15-second delay before, before they, they say, say. something. <laughs> You know? Well, Jamie Thomas, what did he say? Mm. If you meet three assholes in a day, you're the asshole. True. Wow. That's, that's advice right I've there. never heard that before. That's incredible. <laughs> well, the, and I, it goes back to what you're talking about, the way I tie that together and process it, is that relationships are super important, right? Yeah. And so every time you're a dick, you burn a relationship. And then going back even more is like I think about when you die and you go to a funeral or you go to a friend's funeral. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about the things that you did. They don't talk about your accomplishments, like the ones that are really cherished and they're really honored and really remembered. Mm-hmm. They're remembered for the way they nurture those relationships. Yeah, and it's like I've heard this too. Is like, you know, you can do a million positive things and, and, and have people experience that. You do one negative thing and they will talk about that. That will follow you in life. And especially in snowboarding where we're in such a public thing and we're doing demos and we're, you know, there used to be a lot of signings and we'd go to the signings where you're interacting with the public on the hill on a daily basis. You're a dick to one kid. And next thing you know, that kid is, you are, you are a dick. And I've seen it happen to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it sucks. You know, it's like everyone has off days, but unfortunately part of the thing that comes with the profession that we're in is you kind of have to, you got to put on a happy face Mm -hmm. a lot. And you're right about that young kid getting that industry job because all of them do. You know, they're all there at that event for a reason. Yeah. And they end up being that. Oh, it's so funny. That main dude at a brand or the team manager. I mean, very rarely do they come out like Johan. 
Yeah. Where you're a dick and then you're a dick up top. It's like a lot of times. <laughs> Just started a dick. You know what? You know dick. what's so funny though? Johan, I called him for some advice the other day. Now he's and he. You know what he told me? He's like he showed me something and it was like a piece of paper he had on his office and he's like, "This is a reminder. I look at it every day. It says, don't be a dick." Really. He's not really doing a good job of it. <laughs> hey, but you know, no, he is doing a good job. It's, of it, it's though, just honestly. something that comes from like when we're growing up back east. That I think a lot, and this, you know, this may be another pivot point of our fucking mil- the million pivot points. Pivot marathon. <clears throat> but growing up back east, we are bred different, and especially in the era that I grew up, you grew up, you grew up. It's similar but different. But that form of giving people shit is a form of affection. Like from my parents to the kids I grew up with, the the older kids uh, looking out for me at the same time ribbing me, it gives you backbone. And it's real soft these days out there in the streets, mm. man. Real soft. You say one thing, these kids, and they can't fucking take it. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's not a lot of, um. sometimes that's lost, like that don't be a dick. Oh, he's a fucking dick. Well, there's a difference between like, I, I kind of look at it like this. Like if I'm taking time out of my day to give you shit with a smile, it means I like you. It mm-hmm. means I care enough about you to give you shit. I'm not going to waste my effort on you if it's, if, if I don't feel like I'm going to, you know, but there's definitely been kids that I thought that I could play with like that, that you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and they just look serious. at you like, and next thing it's you a know, form of endearment. Next yeah. thing you know, you're an asshole on the internet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so a true. Definite, yeah. That's but I think Johan just tells it how it is. He know, is. And he just doesn't put a filter on but it. But it's, it's his shtick now, too. Yeah. You know, it's like it is he, he didn't get where he, he is right now by being a total dick. I mean, there's yeah. a, you can be a dick, and then being a total dick is. <laughs> there's layers to dick. <laughs> there's yeah, layers. There yeah. Lengths. Well, I'll tell you what, Todd. Mm-hmm. I think we, uh, we did it on this journey. Now, before we wrap this thing up, do you want to throw any thank yous out, out there? First and foremost, I'd like to thank my wifey for putting up for my ass, um, my daughter, my son. Um, let's see, Trevor Graves. Uh, he was the catalyst for this. My mom, my my late father, who basically they, in a time where growing up back east, where it was like, what's your career path? You need a job. This snowboard thing is just, that's not, that's hanging out with kids. What do you got? My, They believed in me and said, you try. Here's some money. Try. Um, yeah, and just everyone that's ever helped me out along the way. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you to every everyone that cares enough about snowboarding to try to make a difference and not just ride it and, you know, beat it till it's dead. Um, you can catch Todd once a week on Mondays in the second biggest sports action sports podcast out there. It's we're the world's greatest world's greatest action sports podcast. The Monday second, second greatest. Well, you guys are specific. We cover <laughs> yeah. all action sports, and usually you yours can is t- the greatest that comes out on Mondays. You can well, you can tell it's Tuesday because it's Monday mass. We don't it, it, Cote Chris Cote, my partner in give the an Mon- air horn. Yeah, give Cote an air horn. The Monday Mass was this thing that Chris kind of created. It was like the Monday Action Sports Show. That's where the mass comes from. Pigeonholed himself into one day right there. Like, <laughs> bad move. <laughs> so, like, the Monday Mass is just part of the goofiness of it now where it's like, it's barely ever on Monday. If we pull it off on Monday, wow. But it's, it's, it's kind of loosely around action sports. It's more like the stuff that happens in between action sports. It's like Seinfeld version of it. It's, it's a show about That's nothing. Great. Like, what do you have to talk about? I don't know. I didn't do any homework. 
What did you do this weekend? <laughs> like it's pretty much like that kind of. You guys walk in unprepared <clears throat> and just do. Oh, this? It's, there's sometimes there's prep, but there, like there's some prep in on the show. There's some prep. There's yeah. some production. Don't undercut it. Yeah, there's but just production. our whole Under- deal is like you guys have guests. We we just look at our phone and cold call people. Mm-hmm. And oh, they part, don't even know. No, and like it's part of it's like, will they answer? Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised who answers that phone. Granny's answered that phone before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome that you just cold call people into the show. Yeah. We had on we had uh, on one of the spinning wheel of death. Nobody's landed on it. Cold call the most famous person on your phone. Uh, do you have any interest in hitting that right now? It's Ken. It's Ken. Ken Block's like the most famous person I know. That's true. And he already did a guest question. Yeah, he's boring as shit. Anyways, he's oh, no. I you don't got Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, you don't. No, Galifianakis. no. Galifianakis. I I reached out to him like. I don't think I think somebody else runs his social media because mm. I've like reached out to him a couple times because we I mean like we spent like a month together yeah, we in the buzz. in the woods, dude. Like, um, but yeah, he's like the I, oh I could hit up Mike D in the Beastie Boys. He's a bro. Oh my god, that's, how's that's, that one? That's pretty that's good. good. That's pretty good. He yeah. won't he won't answer his phone. Okay, all right. <laughs> he's got his number though. I got his number. That's it. All right. Well, Todd, thank you for coming out to Utah and uh, making this journey. And you guys are halfway to Pennsylvania by now. If you if you left <laughs> Worcester, you're almost in PA. So <laughs> just, I don't know, rewind. Well, we appreciate you guys driving around listening to this or watching it. <laughs> and, or uh, like the world's longest shit. Your legs are for sure asleep. Both asleep. You might need to go to the hospital. Yeah. It's the worst when your legs fall asleep. Dude, have you ever walked? Okay. You get up, you do a limp around. Dude, have you ever you walked it. out of the bathroom before where both your legs are asleep and I you're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh like, yeah. That's bad news. That's bad news. You can thank Instagram for that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You just, you're, not, you're done, but you're still mm-hmm. on the gram. Just your like, balls are cooked and your mm-hmm. legs don't work. Yeah. You're like, what is wrong with me? Anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening each and every week. We will see you next Wednesday over and out from the bomb hole.